0: Can you hear me? You no, know, I, I respect Bobby Plus, I'm very much responsible for the success of this year's podcast.
1: And I don't know what to say. Um, I get like 20, 25 emails a day.
0: I think our commission is back Alright, welcome to the O Show.
1: Back. This is
0: season three of the O Show?
1: Season three of the O Show. How many seasons of this league in general?
0: It's been, it's been, I, we hit a decade? Oh, well, well over a decade. I think we might be at 15. This 15. might be the big X, the XV. Yeah.
2: My, this more. definitely
0: started while we were in high school, and that's, you know... And pretty 14, soon this league is going to be old enough to graduate. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly old enough to drink, as we saw. And, and not to quite as bad of an excess as I would have thought, but we'll get into that. We're going to do it all. This is the inaugural draft grade show, the discussion of all things that were our, our exciting in-person draft. I think we had 28 people this year, but... More importantly, this is the O Show, the show that does not feature Matt Owen in any way, shape, or form, because he does not have a face or a voice or any, any talent at all for radio, podcasts, or audio mediums. And uh, as usual, we have
1: our co-host, Bob Flesta, in the building. How are things, Bob? Not too bad. I will have to say that I kind of owe Matt o an apology. Um, I'll come out right. I wanted to say it at some point. I guess I'll just do it right off the top, because he was... Him and Connor were kind of doing dueling interviews post draft, and he uh, posed a question to me after I had about a, a dozen Guinnesses and spent some time in the parking lot with my partner, and wanted to know who I thought was my least favorite person in the league. And uh, whoever asked me the question, I was bound to say it was them. And I said it was him, and it seemed like he took it pretty harshly. So I'm just going to say I'm sorry to Matt O. I'm going to go. I'm going to go easy on him today. He doesn't deserve that. I hope by the
0: time we get to their team, you've come to a new agreement with him and, and you really decide to let him have it because, you know, I, I was te- trading texts with Connor and Matt afterwards. I was pretty excited. I really loved the idea of capturing draft day and getting some content out of it. thought it was amazing. And then they sent it to me and didn't actually capture any of the day. They just have a couple of <laughs> interviews and a couple pictures. And I was like, where's the action? Where's everyone yelling? Where's where's Zach Shapiro spitting fire because I didn't give him the 750 bid on a $32 player, <laughs> but you know, how did you miss
1: these things? And they didn't have any good answers. Yeah. It was no mostly, video. it was mostly post-game interviews, but everyone kind of scattered like a bunch of uh, cockroaches to light. And they were just kind of out of there in a hurry, which given most of our history at North Brunswick pub, I can't say I blame them, but as for the venue, I thought it went about as well as expected in the uh, old school dance floor area. I mean, I
0: I was thrilled. I I thought for sure it was going to be a disaster just because it was sort of, I don't want to say it was haphazardly planned because it wasn't. The the Haas family did a terrific job. From what I'm told, Johnny did the arranging, and Mr. Haas just put his name on it, which I think is a great move. Um, You know, he said, I can handle it, and then next thing I knew apparently Johnny handled it. So that's a world-class lieutenant move right there. You know, he, he activates, he manages, he oversees. He gets all the credit, he gets the pay raise, he gets the pension, and then, you know, it's the guys in the line of fire really doing all the grunt work. So I thought that was masterfully done.
1: It was wonderful. I was talking to the bartender after, and she was talking about, oh, we got you such a great deal on food. I was like, I thought it was, like, way too cheap. Like, I went to, like, a concert the day before, and Guinness for, like, less than $5. Like, what year are we in? What decade are we in? I thought it was absolutely incredible, and they hit the beautiful piece of nostalgia for me by still having the song song on the the playlist, (laughs) I have it marked 12.43 on a Sunday. People are still in church, and Cisco is blasting. And I absolutely loved it, and they deserve a standing ovation for that.
0: Yeah, I I got a hint to them. It was really a world-class effort. I mean, I I guess I, I haven't been to the pub as much as most people. I was in California for six years, and then I came back, and everybody kind of moved away, and we're sort of done with that. And, you know, everybody obviously, like you mentioned the pub, and half the group just, like, spits on the floor or rolls their eyes or, you know, just flatly says they're not going. And I, I, we haven't had a better draft than that. I mean, that was better than the Blarney Stone just simply because it could hold us. I mean, we had 28 guys in there. We were an enormous crew. We didn't get bothered. We had dueling waiter service with massive cleavage. We didn't pay much. We had, you know, nonstop drink service. I, it really it was phenomenal.
1: And the floor was way less sticky than at the Blondie Stone. That's something I do do remember for sure. Well, as someone who used
0: to get paid to mop that floor, I know exactly why that floor is so sticky. It's because the people they pay to mop it do a shit job.
1: What the hell were you mopping with, maple syrup?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a lot of just leftover beer and dirty mop bucket water. And then, you know, something about that, like, I don't know if the floor isn't, like, finished or something, but... That wood just sops everything up, and it just holds it there. It's it's fucking
1: disgusting.
0: There's no two ways about it.
1: I hear ya. The food was uh, as expected. It was good. It was good bar fare. Some I was shocked to see like a, a hummus plate with feta, but thrilled, of course. And uh, I know they, yeah, where did that come food?
0: from? I knew you. I thought of you personally when they said they were gonna have a hummus plate.
1: Oh man, I I was doing a. Uh, a uh, buffalo bites with a little bit of feta. It was just like a like a faux blue cheese. Wonderful, wonderful fare. But as, as, we, as refill everything else... How about, How about, oh, actually,
0: yeah, they were like, hey, fresh spread, brand new. Just filled it up again. Have at it.
1: Then they put out like 55 of those like doggy bins, and they were trying to get us to all take it home. I think no one took <laughs> any home. Whoever was there last could have just taken trays of food home with them for a a family uh a family reunion it was it was overkill and didn't break the bank honestly great work it worked out really well
0: yeah terrific venue man i i really i mean I don't know if we can switch it to a Saturday because you know we were there sort of late, maybe we'd kind of get overrun by the locals but that was i mean just a truly efficient open clean central location for us to do it and I felt like it really added to my performance. I was really jazzed up in the beginning. You know, I ended up hitting the wall pretty hard towards the finish,
1: but I was firing on all cylinders for, like, almost the better part of four hours. I mean, I think Dave only took over for you for, like, two minutes. And during that time, you were also drafting for a team while you were were, uh, going around. So, I mean... Good performance out of you all around. As for going on a Saturday, I think if we really want to make it like extreme drafting, we should try and run the draft during a UFC night because it gets a little crazy in there with the last people that still wear Ed Hardy and they go fucking nuclear while the the fights are going on. If we really want to up the ante on a draft. Well, you know, we did have a team
0: bring just some random guys out of the bar to pick their players. Matt and Johnny had a guy
1: bidding on their behalf I've never met before. They had a whole cheering section with multiple ringers. I mean, we'll get to their team later. They're as usual some confounding decisions with some undercover great picks. But what a what a performance out of them in the corner! What was their uh, what was their intake on beer? Did they put down a thirty rack?
0: I couldn't get a sense of the beer because I was too focused on Johnny smoking roughly two cigarettes a minute. Like, they were using the, the smoking room as, like, a, a command central war room.
2: They really I'm not, were.
0: I'm not certain that they didn't have a couple ringers back there and, like, like the whole, like, whiteboards with, you know, analytics flying around, because Johnny spent 95% of the draft in there.
1: They were writing on those, like, uh, tarp windows, like they were – the guy, oh, my God, who's fucking Russell Crowe? He's not Rain Man, but you know what I'm talking about, just drawing the <laughs> equations on that plastic <laughs> tarp. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the Beautiful Mind guy. Beautiful Mind, that's that's the movie I was thinking of. But speaking of beer, we got to get to, uh, honestly, the low light for Dave and I is uh, losing back-to-back, but him with the wallet having to get beer for everyone Go, I thought he go he ahead his, and lay into us. I
0: thought he took his punishment like a man. He tried to get out early. Like I'm going to buy everyone a beer. I said, No, no, you have to buy everyone a beer if you just show up without the wallet. If you just flatly lost it, you know, parentheses have it stolen out of your car. That's there's got to be an escalation. And I think getting off by buying every group a pitcher is a at a place like the pub is about as inexpensive as you can have the penalty be. But I think it's I think it's
1: tough but fair. I. I tend to agree. Like, I thought we, me and Dave were going to walk into, like, a Hieronymus Bosch painting. I thought it was going to be, like, the gates of hell. I thought we were going to get absolutely consumed. Insane punishment. Thankfully, I know you're not, and I guess the episode didn't air of succession where they introduced the door on the floor. That probably could have been introduced. The punishment for losing again into next year, fantastic. But for losing two years in a row, and losing the wallet, not gonna lie, I thought we got off pretty light, and I'm yeah. so thankful for it.
0: Yeah, I didn't feel like, I, I'm not a huge fan of just making the stuff up in at the moment, um, unless of course it'll inconvenience uh, Zach and Troy, then of course you know, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants, but it felt like since we hadn't discussed a massive escalation that if I let the room take over it could get out of hand, which is sort of what happened on the three times loser, so if you guys come in thir- last three seasons in a row, I mean, that will be th- an accomplishment that will live in infamy forever. And I think, sen- you know, when they said make you ride a bus to Cleveland, and my first thought was why stop there? You know, like Wyoming, I think uh, Oklahoma, like I think further of the country is in play on something that drastic.
1: I mean, I think Cleveland is a pretty, pretty solid punishment. There was some talk of like losing phones. When I was uh, talking to uh, Sandra on the drive home, she was saying you, should, you guys should be able to pick what media or music we listen to. She was saying like Taylor Swift, but since it's our league, I'm sure you guys would only allow us to play JoJo for the whole ride home. You could insert her in post right now. I know you want to play it. And honestly, I think even though Dave and I would wind up enjoying the bus ride, I think a one-way trip to Cleveland is a fantastic Fair and relatively brutal punishment, and if we lose again, then right from the draft, give us our tickets, and we're on our way. Oh, man, that would just
0: be, I don't know how we'd manage to film it, you know, without you guys having phones. Maybe we have to send, like, a third man in as a videographer, like, you know, you'd have to have a Hank, you'd be, you know, Big Cat PFT, and we'd have to pay a Hank to to follow you, but Man, I I can't wish enough that that happens, especially Dave losing the wallet. I mean, him of all people, he actually carried it around 24-7. It's, it's it's so surprising that he managed to lose this
1: thing. Yeah, I was. I remember when he called me, and we went on a deep dive. Like, we were doing reverse image searches of my wallet, and we found one distributor from, like, Taiwan who had the same wallet. Granted, he wouldn't have had all, like, the knickknacks and shit that were inside it but we found the exact wallet. Dave placed an order, but they wound up canceling on him or running out or some shit. And then we just let it go for months. and we're just like, all right, let's just see what happens. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too bad. I think he's upgraded to a rainbow wallet. If I remember correctly, since we all live so dispersed around the country, we may need to move on from the wallets in general to a different type of punishment, just because it's not as pertinent yeah. with us all spread out. But I mean, he's, we're both going to do it for at least one more year. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into um, some of what actually
0: happened here. Let's, let's start with some rosters. I know we're looking at the same sheet, the Google Drive, that Jimmy Ryan stepped up in Powers' absence and, uh, and kept the rosters. The lines are at the top. Be- before yeah. we get
1: to that, I just want to get into uh, rule changes. Oh, yeah, and okay, let's cover that. So go ahead with the rule changes, and I'll tell you which ones you were wrong about.
0: Okay, so first and foremost, we had a pre-negotiated buyout raise, a buy-in raise from two fifty to three, and next year we're going to four. And I kind of proposed the year after five, which didn't take Great. any grumbles. Um, you know, I think we might end up sitting at five for a little while. I think north of five is, um, you know, could get crunchy for some folks. So I feel good about the move to three. I think it's long overdue. I think we had a few league members we were waiting to sort of get through college and. And, and move on to that section of their life, and we're there. You know, we had some we had some people with catastrophic medical debt who are now doctors, um, you know, speaking of the Ryan fam. So I feel good about that. Oh, um, medical debt, what a concept. But no, <laughs> I, So I feel pretty good about that. And then, you know, obviously we had a big keeper discussion, and I think where we ended up was a good place. No keeper trading because, frankly, I'm shocked we haven't had a tanking problem yet, um,
1: especially for something... So keeper that trading they're not going to pay attention to the wallet. I can't believe we haven't had a tanking fiasco yet. So we get into a keeper trading problem with the first team we're going to discuss in a couple of minutes, but I I agree. I think with the the beauty of an auction draft is especially this draft season, if you wanted to get Barkley, Kamara, or McCaffrey in any kind of snake draft, you needed a top three pick, especially while Zeke was was still questionable with his holdout. The beauty of an auction is I can devote $50 if I really want Saquon Barkley. That's, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of or Kamara, who obviously has been kept for the last couple of years. So I 100% agree with no trading, no trading of keepers, and only keeping them for one year, because especially with running backs, like these guys, most of them only last a couple of years. So you're going to basically, we're not running a dynasty. Like you're losing them. In within a couple of years, so I'm definitely for one year. Um, higher penalties, you can't just go 50 cents, keep them for a dollar. you got to go up. It's up to five if you want to Five do bucks things. minimum, yeah. So I think we've landed at a decent compromise where everyone's uh, a little bit annoyed, but at least it's a step forward versus you drafting, you luckily going for a rookie backup, and he turns into the superstar, and you have him for a dollar for two years
0: yeah because i mean it's a crapshoot. say what you want about how you targeted the right guy or something like for you to get a keeper most of the time not only do you have to get lucky but the guy has to usually pop pretty early in the season otherwise with a league this size you end up having a roster crunch and you got to cut the guy pretty early i mean I, we've seen a lot of that where people who would be dynamite keepers got cut in week zero or week one and so i, I don't know i I would have liked to get rid of him whole cloth,
1: but I think it's a good compromise. I agree. But even last – people were saying in the email thread, oh, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. What was the strategy last year? People took people on injured reserve, so Darius Geis was drafted. Was he kept? No. McKinnon, we tried to do the same thing. Was he kept? No. There were multiple options like that where people thought, okay, I'm going to stash this guy on IR this whole year or this person is the rookie I think is going to be good, and the strategy was to keep them for this year. And a majority of those players were just not kept. So I just – I don't think that argument holds as much weight as that uh, that crowd seems to think it does. But, you know, I, th- I, think we, I think we land in a good spot. The other rule change that I push for every year but never gets enacted, because it's such a big league, everyone thinks it's impossible, but I still want another flex position – we have six-man benches, like everyone has at least one player they want to throw in the starting lineup. There are multiple teams that seems to have drafted thinking we were going to have another player in the starting lineup with how they allocated their funds. But I just I, I don't understand why we don't want to just put that either rookie, second year, backup, or a third down, pass-catching, running back, just throw them in the lineup. Increase scoring, let's have a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah, because I'd like to kill a bench spot anyway. I mean, I think six. I Because mean, we have a lot of guys who really take this seriously, which is great. It's why the league's fun. But, you know, they've the ability to get more players and have more strategy and control. And But
1: it's not worth great. it how the league uh, is constructed. Like, it's not worth it to go for that, like, spreading, spreading of the budget down. Like, I, I did an analysis before here to see who does stars and scrubs versus who really spreads it out. And we'll get to a couple teams that just spread it out throughout. And I feel like almost there's maybe like two teams, but every other team has a player on their bench that they would love to just throw in the starting lineup and see what happens. Granted, we could never do a super flex in this league because there just aren't enough quarterbacks, but to throw another wide receiver running back in, I, I think is evidently doable.
0: Yeah. And, and we we might get there. I mean, Namju was pushing for a, a fewer bench spot. I like the symmetry of what we have now. I've always liked the five skill position mix, but there's really no good reason why, you know, we don't we don't have another flex and start more players. I mean, I don't think I'll ever go for the dropping of the kicker in the defense because I just think it's fun and it's a good nostalgic kind of thing. I'm I'm sort of a traditionalist for that sort kind of shit, but and the single quarterback. But I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it, and I'm into it. So you know, that that aside because um, you know, we didn't really see anything new this year. I can't think of any teams who really broke the mold. I mean, we didn't see anybody draft, you know, five tight ends or, you know, I mean, our team went probably the closest. I mean, your team tries
1: path. to every year for the last few <laughs> years.
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, it, it just kind of fell our way this year. I mean, I, we can get more into that when our team comes, but I can't think of anybody who did anything this year that was just flatly
1: different Um
0: now everybody's there was sort one of on team, the same page.
1: There was one team that got a little crazy, but we'll uh, we'll get to them later. The last thing I want to say before going to the teams is, the uh, I don't think it got much of publicity, but the uh, championship belts that Garrett oh, walked in fabulous! Lovely.
0: lovely. Fabulous. Totally unprompted. I had no idea. Professional quality effort. And he said it wasn't just for himself. He's donating it to the cause moving forward. Unbelievable. Lovely.
1: Absolutely enjoyed it. And with that, let's uh, let's just move right on to the teams. And I think we're going to be starting with the uh, the Ryans here. You have it up? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. I mean, first and foremost,
0: shock, utter shock that Carson Wentz went for north of the $8 that Sean and I could have kept at. I mean, we labored over whether or not eight would be too much. And we, we thought, well, you know, there's no way. Worst case, we'll get him back at that number. Nobody pays for quarterbacks anymore. There might not be two, uh, you know, more than one double-digit quarterback in the whole thing, and if not for a boneheaded keeper decision, there wouldn't have been.
1: And somehow Wentz goes for 950. I mean, what, what was I missing here? So, I mean, Wentz was one of my targets going into the draft. I think he's just set up to absolutely crush with weapons and a stellar offensive line. But like you're saying, there were only, what, was. Two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that weren't kept that went for over nine dollars, and it was Wentz and Rodgers. Yeah, and for nine and a, nine and a half, I was, I mean, I was I was in until seven, but wow, they they really spent for it. They didn't stack them. Granted, Alshon Jeffrey was kept, and Earth went for a million dollars, but I, I don't completely despise them going nine and a half for Wentz, especially because somehow they wound up keeping five and a half dollars left over five and a half dollars could have bought you James White, DJ Moore. Like there were multiple Mad Breda. There were multiple, multiple, multiple good players that went for under $6 and they just left it on the, on the ground to go for fucking bills and bucks running backs. It was absolutely crazy. So before we go forward, I just want to go through this real quick is that, so they were the beneficiaries of the James Conner trade. Um, they got traded, James Conner, at some point, and they got to keep yep. him. Yeah. So they got to keep him for five. So the keeper equity, I would say he'd be around a $32 player. So they got about $27 in value. So the team value overall with that is 121.5. 121.5 team, and your bench is looking pretty grimy. I mean I like that they got P. Y. Hilton for a depressed price coming off the news of Andrew Buck retiring. Kenny Galladay's a number one for ten bucks. It's fair. John Brown also a number one. He's gonna be boomer bust for a buck fifty. Then they go for David Johnson for thirty seven fifty. I you know Dave and I love David Johnson. We absolutely adore David Johnson, but that offensive line has looked absolutely brutal this year and for in that same range I just think there were better options even though in all the drafts I've done previously he is a first rounder I just think it's a little too much to have your only $20 player have that many question marks around you well
0: that's the problem with going home with 550 it's not that you know you could have added James White it's that David Johnson could be Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey Mm -hmm. I mean this is a totally different team if you know, T.Y. Hilton is, you know, a $21 receiver instead of the 15 You know, maybe he's Amari Cooper, who went for 22 You know, I mean, that's, that's where taking home money kills you, is that early in the draft, I mean, you sat out better players to scrimp and save, and then, you know, you didn't end up doing jack shit with it. I mean, because I think a lot of this team, you know, anytime you end up with one of the higher-priced quarterbacks, like, you know, that guy really needs to pop. And it's not as important as it used to be, you know, five – six years ago when we were spending $25 each on, you know, the first 11 quarterbacks before, you know, the fantasy world sort of realized how stupid that was.
1: Yeah. Um, We learned late round quarterback pretty well in this, in this, uh, in this league.
0: Yeah. And I think like, you know, you kind of look around the league and most teams have multiple $30 players, you know, or at least, at least one. And then, you know, maybe something else in the high twenties. And they don't really have that. And kind of to your point, I mean, it's a good team, certainly. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I I can't imagine that this is the kind of team I, that would finish in the bottom of the schedule, but the complete just barren bench. I mean, there's just so, really not a lot there. I mean, who in that bench are you expecting is going to be a surprise contributor? Maybe Rashad Penny takes over for Carson halfway because of an injury. I mean,
1: I, I don't I I see a lot to dream on. I don't focus on I don't project injury I think Carson is going to dominate that backfield we'll get to that later unfortunately with your team but Love it. I think they so I gave ratings on the drive home from the draft so they were before the final cuts happened since we didn't even talk about that but having the draft earlier this year makes a big difference we have much we have less information to go on and those final cuts obviously made a difference because they snagged Devin Singletary for 50 cents and I mean, we should have seen the writing on the wall with LaShawn McCoy's cap hit. They drafted Devin Singletary, I think, in the second or third round. They signed the indelible Frank Gore, who's going to be fr- fighting with his son for a roster spot in a couple years. And I think they brought on TJ Yeldon as well. So Devin Singletary for 50 cents has a chance to pop. And their starters obviously have a chance to do well. But with 550 left over and that dynamite of a keeper, I couldn't give this draft at that moment. More than a C.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I tend to be really harsh on teams that have just superlative keepers and don't walk away with something exciting. You know, I always I I don't I don't necessarily agree with the strategy of how Juan and Garrett do it with Kamara. How they just basically say, well, you know, we have a thirty dollar player that we're paying for whatever, so let's just overpay for another superstar and end up with two of the best five guys in the position. You know that that in some ways that's sort of like a waste of your thing to deliberately overpay, but at least you know when they go home at the end of the day, I mean there's sex appeal, you know they're excited they 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 know that like on paper, they have something that no one else can touch and and I don't feel that way about the team
1: that I'm looking at here. Agreed. And I'll give them credit for drafting three number one receivers. Granted, that's all the receivers they got, but John Brown should be the number one on the Bills. T.Y. Hilton's clearly the number one on the Colts. Even if it's Brissett throwing to him, he's still going to get bombs downfield. And Galladay, even though the Lions are another team that are going to just stupidly try to run the ball into the ground, he's the clear number one there with Marvin Jones as the number two. So at least they got number one receivers, but like I said, at the moment, before we knew McCoy got cut, this was a C for me with five and a half left over. And uh, I think we're ready to move on to Connor and Josh here. What do you got for them? Well, you know, it's always nice to have Jake in attendance. It's one of the benefits of not having
0: a labor rare. draft. Very rare. You never yeah. see it. You never see it. Um, sadly for us, he watched five hours of golf and did, did not did he really. Have, like, was he laying money on that, or what was the deal? He was definitely gambling on it, but, like, I don't know, maybe I don't watch enough golf. Like I, I couldn't even figure out what tournament it was or why anyone cared. I mean, he, he literally just sat there, drank Coors Light, and watched five hours of golf. And then whenever Connor could wrangle his attention long enough to think and contribute to what was happening, he would just mutter, curse, tell him it was stupid, and then say, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. And then, you know, Connor would get the player, there'd be like a weird pound or high five, and then they'd move on. So I'm not even sure Jake could name four of his players if if we were to give him a call right now, even though he was at the
1: entirety of the draft. I think that's completely fair. I mean, for them, their keeper this year was Marlon Mack for four bucks. Granted that Andrew Luck retired the night before, I still think he would have went for about 18. Oh yeah, um, they spent their they spent their whole a hundred dollar budget. So their team values roughly about one hundred and fourteen. I'm a big Julio guy, so I love Julio. Russell Wilson. I'd hate to say it, that he's in my division, but I think he just is like he just makes it happen every single year. The the player I probably hated most on their team is Josh Jacobs. I know he's stepping into a huge workload. I know he's going to be the number one. I know there was a lot of draft equity spending a first-round pick on him, but I am just not convinced by fucking spider Y2 banana John Gruden. I don't trust him. I don't trust the offensive line. I think Derek Carr has shit for brains. I don't think they're going to score a lot of points, whereas their backup running backs I think are on point. Malcolm Brown has a very good chance to close out games for the Rams, and if anything happens to Gurley, he'll get the early down work. Justice Hill is going to be worked in on the Ravens, which will be the best rushing team in the league with Lamar Jackson. Darwin Thompson, the Lashawn McCoy thing, hurts Darwin, and obviously my team will get to that later with Damian Williams. Diggs, Julio, like I like a lot of what they're doing. I just think – Josh Jacobs is might not be, and the Raiders might not be fun to watch, but he'll he'll collect point, enough points for the, him to be a to be a valuable addition. And if one of those backups takes off, then they're they're golden.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with what they have here. You know, I don't I don't think it's like a world-beating roster, and there's going to have to be some active wavering. And you know, because you always see on draft day, people do stuff like draft Joe Flacco, and then in like oh, you know, maybe even before week one, that guy's not there with some hot pickup and. Now, they're going to have to hustle to make something happen this year, but I think the makings of a talented team are here as long as, you know, Mac and Jacobs are impact performers. If if one of those two guys wilts in the September heat, then they're going to be scrambling early on and, it's, and things could get ugly if, you know, one of these backup guys that they've got here doesn't sort of fill a serviceable role because, if you find yourself deficient at one of those main
1: positions early, it's really hard to dig out of that hole. so I think they covered themselves somewhat with James White James okay. White for five I thought was was probably their best pick um it gives them the cover in case. Mac doesn't uh, integrate well with Brissett, and the loss of luck, even though they have a good offensive line, or if Jacobs gets stonewalled repeatedly behind one of the shittiest offensive lines in the league, I think James White is that great safety blanket that you know he's going to get seven to ten targets out of the backfield, and you can just slot him in. And this is where James White for five, going back to the last team, leaving 550 left over, like, that's a player that you absolutely want on your bench for a bi-week fill-in injury or whatever may come your way.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. So, you know, I'm, so, I'm happy with it. I thought, you know, Connor always puts on a good performance. Jake drunk, not paying attention, yelling at golf. I mean, I think they did a nice job here. They didn't have a lot to do with They didn't put their heart and soul into this. Maybe Connor did. But, you know, for, for, ha- for having one and a half teammates at the draft, a decent keeper. I think this is what it's
1: supposed to look like. Yeah, I, I give this one a B plus, A minus. I think they really have a solid starting crew and players that can grow into roles as the season moves along. So now we move along to your team. hey Interesting. Here we go. So here, your team decided to keep no one. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it was really Wentz or nothing. We didn't have anybody um, anybody else to even really consider. You know, all of our sort of like early bench sleepers either got cut or never woke up during the season. And it was really, you know, it was $8 Wentz or nothing. We we thought we'd probably get them for six and a half, seven. And, you know, I, I can't speak for Ryman because we both sort of knew we wanted to go in another direction, that we weren't, dead set on Wentz at eight. It wasn't just trying to steal a buck or so. Um but I was a little disappointed. I, I if this if this roster had Wentz on it instead of Lamar Jackson, I would be endlessly pleased with it. Um I'm I'm a believer in Lamar for fantasy purposes and I do think he will be, you know, I don't know, maybe a top eight to twelve quarterback, which will be enough to get us by. Um but that's the only part that I'm really still sort of feeling like we would left something there. Because otherwise, I'm pretty excited. I, You know, Ryan and I have different philosophies on certain stuff, like towards the end of the bench. But really, our first three hours of the draft, we were totally in sync. I love the Eckler pick at that price. Uh, I thought we got great value on Keenan Allen. I love that we got one of the top five tight ends, because I thought that's where that tier ended of sort of like guys you'd really be excited to have. I love Aaron Jones. I love Chris Carson. Um, I don't know who Mike Bagley is. And then I saw it. You know, I was a little head scratching about Njoku, but I thought it was a good price. I, you know, for a guy <laughs> with his upside at that position, um, for, for a 16 his,
1: team uh, league, I was for a 16 team league. I was shocked, and Njoku went for good. less than five bucks. Well, he yeah, it to be a starting tight end on another team. As for Lamar, our league actually devalues him. So in, in normal leagues where it's uh, passing touchdowns are four points and rushing touchdowns are six, I think Lamar has more value. I still think he's going to be a top 10 just because I think the him being a bad passer is a little bit overrated. I think they surrounded him with exciting weapons. And there's only been like eight or so quarterbacks to rush for 700 yards, which He'll most likely do, and they all finish top eight. So I'm, I was very excited about Lamar Jackson. I think Eckler was a smart pick because we knew the Chargers are unbelievably cheap. They have rookies hold out on them, even though there's a rookie wage scale because of fucking <laughs> offset language. You probably know more about that with you dealing with fucking teams and players, but... They were never going to pay him. So getting Eckler for nine, Keenan for 2150, and my favorite two picks on your team were probably Aaron Jones and Chris Carson. I thought they were in that high-end, wide receiver, two, uh, running back two range, and you got them for great prices. Uh, Kirk, if they actually run the air raid in Arizona, can be interesting. Jordan Reed, I didn't even know you got a third tight end. always dealing with concussions.
0: Which is why we got him for basically nothing, which I was happy with.
1: There were two picks that kind of broke your brain and almost led to a a Greco-Roman wrestling match between you and Ryman, and that was DK Metcalf and the Eagles' defense. I mean, I love the Eagles' defense, and even though DK Metcalf is extremely polarizing, he'll be the deep threat there. Why were you going so nuts when Ryman was bidding on them? I You know, so I was
0: one of those people who watched the uh, him do, like, the three-cone drill, you know, in, like, an hour and a half instead of, you know. And the, he was, like, slower you know, than things. an
1: offensive lineman. Yes,
0: yeah. and then I was watching highlights of him running routes in the spring where, you know, he would do, like, a, a, a bench. And it, to get in and out of his cut, he needed, like, four extra steps because he has just cement hips. So I was watching a lot of this, and I was like, man, this fucking guy, this is not what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like, this is not good. Um, and so I, I kind of got a little a down on the guy there, but I think Ryman's logic was very good, that basically, you know, if this guy wins a number two job in Seattle, he's going to get a certain number of catches. He's going to be the deep threat, which is going to lead to an abnormal amount of touchdowns. And it's going to make sense. And and that's actually where we ended up with Moncrief, too, thinking that, you know, Big Ben's number two in Pittsburgh is, you know, basically blossomed every single time. So, you know, following in the footsteps of, you know, Antonio Brown and uh, then Juju, you know, why not? Let's let's see if there's more magic there. And I thought that one was pretty smart. You know, so, yeah, I don't
1: hate that. And, but, lump in Jordan Reed's to...
0: cantaloupe and,
1: you know, we'll, we'll give it a shot. It's not bad. There is some depth there. I mean, Moncrief, he's definitely got the sh- going to get the shot to be one of the number two outside receivers. I mean, I absolutely despise Derek Carr, but so be it. He's he's obviously cuttable. Metcalf, I mean, you can get all those pictures with his shirt off, which is always fantastic, even though Lamar Gavol in 16 might be the only team name that's been posted so far and was absolutely uh, fantastic. And Metcalf's just going to run nine routes. Russell Wilson throws a beautiful ball and he creates time in the pocket where it's like a four second. No one can, he's like the most unstackable guy I've ever seen. So he's going to catch a couple of unnecessary touchdowns, which is nice for best ball. It's going to be tough to time those weeks for season long. But I mean, if he grows into a role, you can't be upset about a deep bench spot going to a guy like that. No. And, I mean, all in all, I think
0: I'm really happy with the team. i got to say, like more often than not, I hang Ryman out to dry on draft day where he's just looking at me he like, what do you want to do? He, really he loves tight ends. He really does. Butts. You know, he, loves he said butts. this year, he said, you know what, we can't do that strategy anymore because we did it last year, so everybody's going to catch on. And I said, you're giving these people too much credit. That, that, there's no way. I mean, most people are completely asleep in their beers. We can do whatever we want. You want to run it back, pal? You know, you see some value, run it back.
1: And sure, yeah, enough, I, mean, I mean, that's what happened. I was I was looking at the like, the cost distribution of every pick over the last like 3 years since we finally have had data, and it it's shocking how similar it is every single year. Every single year, the top 50 players go for $10 or more and the top 100 players go for 350 or more, everyone always falls in line, even with the keepers. And as it goes, positional value as well, it all is similar. So if you want to grab three tight ends, like, it's eminently doable. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, that
0: that was really the only part where Sean and I were on a different path. It's, just, it's sort of just bench construction. You know, he just has his eye on different shiny objects than I do. I'm more of like a... Running back handcuff plan for injury sort of. You have like, zero
1: running backs on the bench, but you have three starters, so that's we're a little
0: short. I mean, we we've already been in pretty deep trade talks because obviously, if we have three of the top fifteen tight ends, then you know there is going to be a team or two that's you know sort of short. And I think you know, especially you know, that's another reason why I thought the joke pick was so good was that, and, and I didn't realize it at the time because I just thought the the ceiling was going to or the floor was going to fall out. I mean, we've got him for four, and then Vance McDonald went for nine, and then T.J. Hawkinson, who I've never heard of, went for six.
1: He was the number eight pick in the draft. He's, like, he's supposed to be the new. So there were two Iowa tight ends that got drafted in the first round this year that were supposed to be, like, Kittle light, and Hawkinson's one of them.
0: And just the whole
1: thing that
0: tight ends don't break out in their rookie season, that's not a rookie, that's not a thing.
1: Rookie tight ends do tend to struggle. um Hawkinson is supposed to be one of the exceptions, but i we'll get to him later. um I agree he was a little bit overvalued, especially when andjo Angel- went for went for four bucks that's right uh, so I feel good about it you know I, I, if Lamar finishes top
0: eight, this team is going to you know at least the first round of the playoffs um i, I just
1: I just think getting three legit number one running backs. In Carson Jones and Eckler, for for that price is just absolutely wonderful, and at least two of them will pay off. So, I really there's there's really no disagreement um, with the uh, the roster construction, even if even if it is a little light at running back on the bench. Yeah,
0: I mean, look, if our team last year made the playoffs, this team has got a chance to go places because our team last year sucked and we won a division and got paid and and didn't pay a league fee for the third set consecutive year. So I'm extremely bullish going into this year, which probably means I'm going to end up with the wallets. That's a price I'm happy to pay for this feeling I have right now. So next we got the Kamara keepers. I'm sure you got some interesting things in this analysis.
1: Yeah, So so this team, obviously they have the best keeper. Alvin Kamara is a top three pick in all best ball or snake drafts. He should go for the other two picks, uh, McCaffrey and Barkley, both went over 40. Kamara deserves to go for over 40, at least 40 as well. So that's $36 worth of equity in Kamara. So their team value they spent exactly $100 is $136. So you have a team that is worth hundred and thirty six dollars and your second flex option is between LaShawn McCoy, Larry Fitzgerald, and Tyrell Williams? That's fucking gross. gross. Yeah, it's not good. That's not good. How is that possible? You got two of the top three picks with Kamara and McCaffrey, and you couldn't just round it out with a good wide receiver as your fl- second flex. This team had unbelievable superstar roll over the league, absolutely curb-stomp everyone you walk into potential. And I feel like they kind of squandered it. They over, I wouldn't say overpaid, but they definitely paid a premium for McCaffrey and Ertz, and it really cost them in their second flex spot. I just thought they were in absolute pole position here and just didn't execute.
0: Yeah, that's the hard part about the Ertz pick is, like, I don't know, if you're going to pay that price, like, why don't you get – Kelsey or one of the receivers that's a little more of a sure thing. I mean, I fucking love Ertz. I think he's amazing. I think he's going to catch a big We both love Ertz. But I don't know. I mean, it just feels like the receivers are a little bit of a safer bet for a reason. Um, You know, would you rather have Ertz at 24 or Keenan Allen at 21? You know, Keenan Allen's a pretty good bet to shred
1: his ACL at any moment, but if he doesn't, I mean, I've got to think he's going to outscore Ertz. Those are – that. that's a harsh memory for Dave and I, thinking of Keenan Allen blowing out his leg in the first half of the first game of the season. But I, I completely agree. I just think they had a couple players in mind that doesn't – we have so much value in the bank that we could spend whatever we want on these players. And it seems like that's what they went out and did, and they just got bid up unnecessarily. Like, Ertz, I, obviously I absolutely love, but I think Dallas Goddard is – a fantastic number two tight end that would start on almost any other team. And the amount of weapons that that Wentz has to work with is just incredible. I just don't think he's going to see the volume he saw last year, especially with Foles, who disproportionately targets tight ends and slot receivers. I just don't think he's going to – I think last year you saw the absolutely top of his ceiling, and I just don't think he's going to get back there. On the other end, they did go with Koskowski, who has a special place in Dave and I's heart, as well as Garoppolo, who for 50 cents, I think might be the uh, one of the best quarterback picks of the draft. He's going to be a more than serviceable bi-week fill-in, or if he has a good matchup in Rivers, doesn't. You can, you can throw him in. I think Shanahan's going to put at least 250 and two touchdowns on Jimmy most weeks.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to second-guess these guys when they ran the same strategy last year, but, you know, so much went right for them. I mean, you you look at their... I mean, last year they did the same thing they did with McCaffrey with David Johnson, and then they hit on, you know, hit enormously on Devontae Adams, obviously. And I I don't know, it doesn't feel like on draft day that they've got the same magic. Um, You know, they had Robbie Anderson, Tevin Coleman, I have their thing up here, I mean... Even Calvin Ridley did something. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, they've got to have another superstar. Cooper Cuff's got to take a step up, or Ertz really has to be every bit of the best tight end in football. Um, Plus, Phil Rivers has to keep turning the clock back and not just turn into a pumpkin, you know, a.k.a. Eli Manning overnight. I'm a little nervous about them here. You know, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. They were the champs, right? I mean, they they deserve the benefit of the doubt, but I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous.
1: The only thing, other thing I'll say for the receivers is Cup going as the most expensive Rams receiver was quite surprising, even though you know Dave and I love him. They completely lucked out with LaShawn McCoy winding up on the Chiefs. Completely yeah. lucked out. And then yeah. Fitzgerald, if they do move to an air raid in Arizona, has potential. And even – I don't think Derek Carr likes to throw a deep, and that's Tyrell Williams' game. And Brissette – from his college days to his last pro season, absolutely loves targeting the tight end. So they're just hoping Doyle continues to get that snap share when he was healthy over Ebron. So, you know, it's a, it's a solid B. I mean, the team itself is better than a B, but with Kamara at, for $4, I can't give them more than a B because they just didn't capitalize on the value they were given.
0: Yeah, I got to go and dig up what I gave them in the draft grades last year. I, I can't remember if I shit on them or not, because man, they ran essentially the same strategy last year, and there's no way that I liked it, so I don't know. Uh, now I'm excited to find out what you thought of your own team. You know, I'm excited so, to see what you think here. I mean, you had a $4 keeper as well, not quite a Kamara, but Chris Godwin, um, you know, in high demand, good value, not, not not – breaking the uh the, the the meter some other teams have and getting $130 of value but you got to be happy with that one as a starting piece
1: so we'll put a break in right here i need to pee i'll be back in one minute <laughs> All right.
0: Oh. Right. Are you taking the phone with you or did you leave it behind? Hmm. Maybe we'll play some Maddox sound drops here. Come on, you know what the portable is. You drink at the bar. I don't know what I'm gonna go with. It's gotta be something interesting I can throw well, in that old music. Well, I fucking out the cops threw them on three people today. <laughs> Tequila!
1: did it. de de as for Godwin. Obviously he's nowhere near a Kamara level keeper, but given where other wide receivers were going in his range, it would have been worth about twelve bucks. So I think we got eight dollars of value for Godwin and I think this is the uh first time in at least three years we actually spent our whole budget. So this is a hundred and eight dollar team. I think our best pick and a pick that I was surprised that he was a little undervalued was Brandon Cooks for eleven fifty, like He's kind of the de facto even though all three of them are incredibly value on a high powered Rams offense, I was really surprised to see him go for eleven fifty. As for the biggest mistake we made, I'm gonna to have to blame myself for this one. I thought suspended players could go into the IR slot, so I thought we would be able to slide <laughs> I thought we would be able to slide Chris Herndon into that slot and pick up There were still a couple of guys that didn't get drafted that I thought definitely deserved to be on a team, and I quickly learned via the ESPN FAQ that suspended players cannot go in the IR slot, so it looks like we're just going to hold on to him for a few weeks, and that was by far the worst pick. Granted that we didn't know LaShawn was coming to split some carries in KC and Damian Williams... You know what really hurts is that I do uh I do best ball drafts and you j- I've just seen since the draft Damian Williams ADP just slowly slide down and if we were to do the draft today he would have been a 17 to 20 dollar player instead of 27 Granted we still have the de facto number 1 running back on the best offense in the league and Andy Reid's running backs have always treated Dave and I well. We had LaShawn back in Philly. We had Jamal Charles. It's kind of ironic that LaShawn has come full circle to kind of fuck us in the ass, but
0: you know <laughs> what? I'm
1: I'm not I'm not upset that Damian has still has a chance at ten touchdowns.
0: Well are you excited about Scam Newton
2: here?
1: I think Clam's Newton finally has the best weapons of his career. He doesn't have big fat-ass Kelvin Benjamin or even Funchess who are just t- tight ends running sloppy-ass routes. He has DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey who can take slants and actually make 40 yards after the catch or make a man miss and do something exciting. So I actually think Clams is, for $5, like he fin- he's – I would bet that he's going to finish as a top-10 quarterback and – I honestly have no problem with him as our, our QB one. I think the foot thing was they just put him in an air cast for the plane ride home. He's by all accounts he's fine. The shoulder is fine. You know, I think he's fine. And as for Devont, going down to Devontae Adams, I think we got the best deal on the elite wide receiver ones. I think thirty three fifty for the absolute target monster from Aaron Rodgers, who just gets all the red zone looks. You know, I kind of like our ri- wide receiver heavy lineup, and I think we're ready to roll with it.
0: Yeah. I, you know, the Damian Williams thing is really deflating. Um, fuck. I mean, that, that one just hurts. I me. Mean, even just looking at this team, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Because obviously, you know, you put $27 on the back, he's a bell cow. You're penciling him in for 14 starts at a minimum. Assuming you're, you know, winning the title, and you know you're just going to ride that guy and not worry about it. And in a league like this, you know, where we only have the one slot, if you're deficient there, I mean, it really just drains the roster. I mean, the the, the multiple flexes sort of lets you, you know, have some fun and not worry about that kind of stuff. But you know, when you're starting a guy who ends up with either like single-digit points every week or something, it just kills you. So. That one hurts. I I feel like I wouldn't hold that against the draft grade. I mean, if I tried to put myself in a headspace of how I would grade this team on draft day, um, I'd be pretty into it because obviously, you know, with Devontae, you're betting on getting the right Rodgers. I love the Cooks value like you said. I think Godwin's a great keeper. I'm not in love with anything on the bench, mostly because I don't know who, you know, McCole Hardman and you know, Alex Madison are or Chris Herndon for that matter, so it's difficult for me to judge this roster, but I am you know, I don't think right now, I mean I may have to go back now. I'm starting to think that maybe I was a little hard on uh the Ryans and even Garrett and Juan. but I don't think any in roster so far has totally blown me away as being either horrific or terrific. So I, I think you're right in the mix. We've gone through five teams and I think you guys should feel like you have as good a chance as anybody.
1: Yeah, so on the bench we took we just took upside. So James Washington We're hoping with his uh, draft capital that the Steelers spent on him that he overtakes Moncrief at some point. He's shown well in the preseason. Mecole Hardman is a Tyreek Hill clone, so they drafted him in anticipation of Tyreek um, getting suspended or them not not being able to afford to keep Sammy Watkins going forward or him getting hurt. Madison is the backup to Dalvin Cook, who's had his injury woes, and at least Matt Breida's pretty much going to get a 50-50 or 60-40 timeshare for the Niners backfield if we need a, a a substitution for Damian Williams even though I mean Damian Williams he's still going to get work on the best offense in the league so even though we overspend for him I'm not too upset with it and Hunter Henry was being viewed as what George Kittle turned into before his injury so I'm willing to roll the dice on the tight end that Antonio and Gates was blocking for the for the Chargers and Phil Rivers.
0: Okay, okay. So given that we've got five teams that you know sort of all are rolling together in one big blob of uh, above average, you know, not quite mediocrity so far. You think Fortune and Haas are keeping that
1: trend going, or we've got reason to be alarmed here? So. Looking at Melvin Gordon up top, we definitely have reason to be alarmed.
0: Oh, God, that could go poorly.
1: But this is a team that they are not afraid of risk. They had people behind them backing them up. They were willing to go, willing to keep Alshon Jeffrey for nine, which I think is around where he would have went for. I think they might have saved one or two dollars with Alshon Jeffrey. So I'm not too upset about that, especially with Wentz. Foles liked throwing to the slot, whereas Wentz is more willing and has a big enough arm to take those shots to the outside. So I'm not too upset about that. DJ Moore, I mean, he was a first-round pick in his second year, so I think for sure he's going to have a, a big role on the team and Cam's going to look for him. Not as big on Landry. I think Jarvis Landry is, like, fine. He's. He I don't be know. Fine I'm kind that, of like,
0: bullish on that pick. i It feels like this is where this guy thrives when he's like the number four option in the offense and he can just get busy in the slot.
1: Yeah. So he can get busy in the slot, but he's going to get big busy in the slot for six for 65 and maybe a touchdown for $9. I just think there were more explosive options. Whereas you're, you're just hoping that he gets a touchdown with his low A-dot volume. Like, he's he's getting the ball thrown to him on four-yard slants, and you're hoping he breaks one.
0: Yeah, I guess that's right. I mean, when they get down to the end zone, there's so many people who need the ball that you can't imagine he's going to catch more than five touchdowns this year. So even if he ends up with 100 catches and, you know, 1,000 yards, it's going to be sort of punchless with, you know, only a few touchdowns. I see what you're saying. I
1: see and what you're saying. I, I give them credit where they took the, the risk with Melvin Gordon. Like we said earlier, the Chargers are just the cheapest team in the league, so they were never really going to budge. At least they covered themselves with Justin Jackson at 450. Granted, you guys are in the driver's seat with Eckler, but Justin Jackson will at least get worked in. Another player, I think their best pick by far was uh, Latavius Murray at I I love
0: that pick. Yeah, smart. I,
1: I, I think he's going to step right into the Mark Ingram role. They were, I think, I think uh, Sean Payton got drunk with some fantasy analysts and even said, we don't want to give Kamara a bigger workload. They love what they do with Kamara. Throw him passes, give him runs every once in a while. But if you want to really grind out games when you're up 10, Latavius Murray is going to get the ball. So I absolutely love that pick for 550. Jimmy Graham, I think, is washed, but they were stacking him with Rodgers and Geronimo, and then uh, it's amazing to think, like, looking back five years to now, thinking someone got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady for less than 15 bucks pretty <laughs> wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a smart pick. I mean, Tom ain't what he used to be, and as a Tom owner from last season, I'll be the first one to hand up on that one, but For three bucks, I mean, he could be as good as anybody against the right shitty team and throw for four touchdowns in his sleep. So I don't know when you would take Rodgers out of the lineup. I mean, maybe week one would be it. If you're not going to play Rodgers, week one against the Bears would would be when you do it. So we'll see how they treat it. I don't know if they're just going to stash Tom and see if he finds lightning in a bottle or if they're going to be sort of matchup aggressive, which you would think. But, look, this is a team that collectively spent 75% of the draft in the smoking room. I don't know if this was strategy or if they had low blood pressure or if the waitress's shirt was cut a little too low and they just couldn't see straight. I mean, they had three or four extra guys place bids on their behalf. They had one guy they asked to help them throw out a player. He called out a player who'd been picked. He asked them to throw in another player. He called out a second player who hadn't been picked. And then I I can't remember, they may have
1: thrown out three players in a row who would already been drafted,
0: which would be an all-time
1: record. They definitely called Metcalf out, who had already been called out. They might have called out, like, Carlos Hyde or someone that they didn't want. They They definitely did multiple players that they either didn't want or had already been called out, and they just kept going with it. And every year it seems like I hate their four most expensive players, But I always wind up liking a few of their mid-value plays, and it's just absolutely baffling. As to just finish up on Brady, like you said, people were very worried about his weapons, but now looking at it, like, he has Josh Gordon with no suspension, Julian Edelman, who the thumb thing is not going to be a thing. They just re-signed Demarius Thomas, who as a possession receiver, fine. James White out of the backfield. They got like five guys in that backfield. Yeah, he may not have Gronk this year, but, like, Tom Brady's still going to put up points. Like, they're they're going to be fine. I don't see them being the worst team. They're basically just praying that at some point Melvin Gordon wants to accrue a season for um, for his uh, free agency and not pull a Le'Veon Bell and come back for the home stretch. And then they would, if, as long as they pull a few wins at the beginning of the season, they'd really be in the driver's seat. I mean, Melvin Gordon's got to do what, play about half a season
0: for them to get his value? I mean, he would have been a $28, 30 player otherwise.
1: Yeah, I'd say get six to eight games and just slot Latavius in or Jarvis Landry in until then because they could just put Gurley in the RB slot. So I don't hate the team construction. They definitely took on risk paying for Todd Gurley at kind of the top of his market with his his knee issues. But the, the team has potential, so I can't give it worse than a B.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, for a team that at multiple points in the draft I looked over and no one was sitting in their seat, um, this could have turned out a
1: lot worse. Yeah, I thought they just kept morphing into new people that I just didn't recognize.
0: That's right. And, you know, the one thing I really respect out of them, because they're two pretty big guys, they never added a guy to their out. team who wasn't I at least 250 pounds. So <laughs> the third man they brought in was a monster. The fourth guy was a monster. The fifth guy was a monster. Was a monster. I mean, they were 1,000 pounds a man drafting on their team at any given point. And I think their
1: commitment to big
0: men in this country and big guy rights is honorable.
1: Yeah, the Goon Squad is is absolutely wonderful. I mean, you could just play the movie Heavyweights and just pull pull a drop from there, and that is what they absolutely, absolutely crushed on. They even they got what four Packers players for fortune. So at least they were uh, they were thinking about that as well. And I don't think Matt knows right.
0: that Jimmy Jimmy
1: Graham isn't good anymore. He he's not. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely not. And <laughs> Rogers. Every year, there's always, whether from Jermichael Finley to, I think they had Jared Cook to Graham, mm-hmm. everyone gets excited about the tight end with Rodgers, but Rodgers does not like throwing the tight ends. He likes yeah, throwing yeah. to Devontae Adams, and this year, I mean, they took Geronimo Allison, but I think MVS, uh, Valdez-Scantling, who's actually on the next team we're about to talk about, is the uh, more exciting option. So, let's move to Dan and Kling, who are the keeper superstars and I think they have the most obvious draft strategy out of anyone, at least in their first two years in the league. It's been pretty clear what they've been trying to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not – I mean, you. I guess you want to talk about spreading the wealth. Um, these guys just truly not interested. They, they, they identify two top ten running backs that they want, go get them,
1: and everything else is sort of fly by the seat of their pants. So they love two top ten running backs and they also love taking the handcuff to whatever running back is holding out. Uh. So last last year they did it with James Conner and then they also pulled Nick Chubb obviously which Nick Chubb would have went for thirty two, maybe thirty three. I think Nick Chubb I think ironically the two players they pulled last year chubb and connor i think those are the two running backs with cook dalvin cook that were right under that elite tier this year so i put them for about thirty dollars of keeper equity so this team's worth 130 bucks granted as of today or yesterday the uh tony pollard pick isn't going to pan out but given the information we had at the time for three bucks I don't hate it. They're just looking to run into gold, even though Jerry Jones, even though he's trying to talk a good game as running backs don't matter, as all the numbers point out. It's fucking Jerry Jones. He was always going to wind up paying in the end. But, you know, I I can't knock them for the strategy. So, they wind up with Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Mixon. I'm very worried about Cincinnati's offensive line, and they just paid Giovanni Bernard as one of the I think top 12 running backs, they gave him a huge contract to stay for a couple of years. Nevertheless, they have stellar running backs, subpar receivers, but, you know, it's a B-. minus.
0: Yeah, I'm not crazy bullish about this roster here. I mean, I guess on some level, if you just switch Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger, I would feel better about it. I mean, Josh Allen, to me, is a classic, like, hey, maybe he takes the leap on my roster and he's just a fucking stiff and he throws a million interceptions. And no. I, jo- you know.
1: Josh, no, Josh Allen is a Super League quarterback two or best ball quarterback two or three, and you just don't watch Bill's games because it's so ugly, and you just hope to watch the highlight of him making a 50-yard run or just closing his eyes and throwing a bomb to John Brown in the end zone. He's not someone you want to watch, but... Big Ben's definitely. I cannot believe Big Ben went for two. That's a that's great value. As is Jamison Crowder for a dollar. I'm a little. I'm as you saw with our team. I'm a little more bullish on the Jets. I actually think Darnold's pretty good, and I think for a dollar he can uh, return value and spot in on the flex spot a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean they might have the best number two flex in the league. You know, considering they have three top ten running backs or you know three top eleven, twelve running backs. In them. But I feel like to make this strategy really work, you've got to sort of abuse somebody via trade and it's a little too early to know. I mean, you've got to wait until, you know, one or two teams get desperate because all their running backs have rolled over and played dead and have lost their jobs and then you can kind of turn this running back bounty especially if, you know, who, you know, if Tony Pollard Tony Pollard had gotten a couple starts under his belt and you can turn that into some receiver help or something, but I don't know. There's a lot of question marks here. I mean, aside from running back, I mean, I guess they went out and got the best kicker and the best defense, but I tend not to think about that. I, mean, there I, are, I, hey.
1: I actually disagree on that. Really? So I, I think the Bears' defense losing their defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, I think is actually a very big deal. Um, we had him in San Francisco when the Niners were making Super Bowl runs and they did uh some like coaches poll over the uh over the off season and all the coaches, McVeigh, Shanahan, they were all like the hardest defense to prepare for is Vic Fangio. And he's left the Bears D and I think I said it on the review pod last year, but no top defense has repeated as a top five defense the following year. So I do think some of those turnover touchdowns regress a little and I just don't see I, I think it's just going to hold true to form, and they're not going to finish as a top-five defense. That being said, it's $2. It's not like they went out of control to pull that pull him in. I mean, they spent $2 on Kareem Hunt, six fifty on Deshaun Jackson, who is one of the most uncomfortable players to start because you're just hoping he catches a 60-yard touchdown. So right. outside of the running backs, I think they have some tough decisions on a week-to-week basis.
0: Yeah, and and that's what bothers me is, I mean, the chances that Josh Allen's going to throw for three touchdowns on the same day that Emmanuel Sanders gets in the end zone, on the same day that Delaney Walker gets in the end zone, feels really few and far between. So, basically, those running backs all need to throw up 25 points a game for this team to win, and or, you know, the Bears need to score two touchdowns, which, in fairness, they did like seven times last year. Um, it's another playoff team that and I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt, but I really don't want to give it to them. So I'm not in love with this roster. I, I think that the, the running back triumphant is awesome, but I, you need to make a deal, and this isn't an easy league to make a deal in with a double flex spot. And, and in fairness, 26 of the 32 league members, uh, you know, may have taken special classes in high school. So, you know, there, there's this is not an easy deal place. I mean, you're going to deal with irrational actors. Yeah,
1: I mean, but like you said, though, I'm putting Ben Rothless, I'm putting Berger in the top spot at QB instead of Josh Allen, even though they paid more. And the team does look a little bit better once you throw him up top. And Emmanuel Sanders having like a miraculous recovery from Achilles surgery eight months ago. Like, he looked good in preseason. I don't know how. I don't know if it's going to hold up. He has Joe Flacco throwing to him. I think they're going to hurt at wide receiver, but they do have the pieces to make a deal. So, let's move on to uh, Martin and Ryan here. So, Matt Ryan gave you a a lot of shit in the email thread. I don't know if you wanted to respond to that at all before we get going on their roster.
0: You know, I don't want to take it back to a time of great racial tension in this country, but Matt Ryan's (laughs) attitude and behavior towards me is (laughs) flat-out okay? And and, (laughs) I don't really appreciate it. I'll tell you that much. You know, I feel like... He's just looking for a reason to jump all over me. And, you know, what he fails to remember is the only time that thread is hot is preseason, and then I'm the only one with a voice for the next 16 weeks. And I end up being very unkind to him. (laughs) And then, (laughs) yeah, and then I go to the Ryan family house for a party or something, and I'm public enemy number one because I've been taking pot shots at everyone in their, you know, bloodline. (laughs) For 16 weeks, as though it's my fault, you know, he started it. I want it on record. He started it. He as always As long as does, people know that,
1: you know, hey, that's fine. I think you came out with a fair and equitable pay structure, and then he just takes it right to 100.
0: Look, I didn't want to go full Bernie Sanders on Matt Ryan. <laughs> we'll but, you know, if he's going to spread fake news on me, are- then I had no choice. I had my fist in the air. My hair was rapidly turning colors. It was it was whitening as I was speaking. And, you know, if I'd hate to do that too many times because I know how much Fox News Bob Ryan watches. And any injection of Bernie Sanders, it puts him at risk for a heart attack at any time. So <laughs> it, it's his own fault, and I, I want him to understand that I don't have any ill will towards Bob. I'm not trying to put Bob in a 7- seven to 17-day hospital stand. It's him. He's doing it. So, you know, and maybe he'll take the foot off the gas and let the commissioner live in peace a little bit and stop treating me like, uh, you know, Roger Goodell.
1: And, you know, we can really work together here. This is a partnership. Okay, you know, we, this I want what's best for him. Terrific. He is the most likely to be, like, on video burning a player jersey, yelling, debate me. Why won't you debate me <laughs> as we, uh, as you we go to the body. As you say that,
0: if one of the members of the Ryan family wants to go full Ben Shapiro character for the good of this league, I take back everything I said, and I will engage with them in video, written, and audio formats every single week
1: of the rest of the season. I mean, I think that's absolutely the play. As for their team, Josh Gordon... Obviously he's a Dave and I favorite, um, two bucks. I think he would have went for 10 to 12. So I'll give them $10 of keeper equity. They spent a hundred dollars exactly. So $110 value team. I love Baker, um, $8. eh, it's a little, it's a little much, but it's, it's fair. He's been going as like a top seven quarterback. They went heavy on the rookie running backs. So I absolutely love Montgomery and Sanders I think by week six, they'll both be the lead backs on teams with good offenses, so they'll be getting a majority of work. They went real risky with uh, Antonio Brown, who is an absolute nutcase. I think yeah. he finally found. I think he finally found a helmet that he likes, but he's just as liable to score ten touchdowns as he is to retire in week two. Like, he's an Mm -hmm. absolute wild card. As soon as he got paid, I remember he, like, threw a deck chair off of his hotel balcony and almost killed a toddler. Like, he's just absolutely out of his fucking mind. But that being said, I think they found value elsewhere. Um, Bad boys for life, 950 is about what he should go for, especially with A.J. Green's uncertainty. Dante Pettis is going to – he showed a lot of potential for the Niners. He'll get some – he has a chance to go into a role. The Rams drafted Darrell Henderson to be their shotgun running back. He's looked terrible in the preseason, but he has a role. Same with Drake on the worst offense in the Dolphins, or at least one of the three worst offenses. Like, this team has some potential pieces – it's just going to take a few weeks for them to come together, and I absolutely hate Derrick Henry for nineteen. And like I said, Antonio Brown is just a complete wild card. That
0: that's the thing about this team. There's part of the philosophy I really like when you're on the rookie running backs, right? So if you look at Montgomery at fourteen fifty and Miles Sanders at ten fifty, so they paid twenty six or twenty five for the both of them. I don't feel comfortable that both of those guys are going to be full-time starting contributors. But I think it's a good opportunity. It's a good possibility that one of them is worth $28 this year, $25 this year.
1: Yeah. So what I will say is I was looking at a study and it, it seems like the best value granted they, they both they paid double digits for both of them. The best value in a fantasy, at least from like a snake draft perspective has been, Rookie running backs that have been drafted in the second or third round of the NFL draft, that's enough draft capital that they are given big enough roles, but not first-round hype guys that wind up going for 15 to 20. So these guys should see work. They're both on good offenses with great offensive lines. So I think one of them is going to pan out, like you said.
0: Well, these guys also had the value – sign of the draft at Kenyon Drake at $3. I mean, a a, a solid RB1 at, you know, dumpster prices. And I think, you know, I don't think come week seven or eight this guy's going to be a starter. I think he's going to be the Carlos Hyde of the year where he inexplicably holds his job and is productive until the team trades him into a dead-end job somewhere else in the league. Um, This is
1: where, yeah, this is where I don't understand Derrick Henry for 19, I just don't understand where he slots in when you have Montgomery, Miles, Sanders, and you, I mean, granted, Kenyon Drake. They just tra- they just uh, traded the gas mask king himself, Laramie Tunsell, mm,
2: for an real.
1: absolute bag, and they already had a shitty offensive line before trading that absolute king. But uh, I, I just yeah, think that's that money my philosophy.
0: I'm, that money, I'm a running money back. money could
1: have been. Yeah, that Derrick Henry money could have been spent added to Antonio Brown's 24 and just get an elite receiver to add to this squad and you guys would have been golden. Yeah, I mean if if you took
0: I don't disagree. If you took some of that Henry money or Miles Sanders money or you know some of that running back money and upgraded you know Antonio Brown into more of a sure thing, um you know I don't know who that would be precisely. I mean, you can't I don't think you really get you're not going to get to the Julios of the world. But, you know, even if you get them to, you know, I mean, I'd rather have Amari Cooper at 22 than Antonio Brown at 24. Um, you know, I feel like there's some safer bets there when you have so much running back risk, um, which I love. I mean, I'm a guy I'd like to have, you know, five running backs who I think have a chance to be like a running back, you know, an RB one and a half than blow my budget on one guy who, you know, I have one ACL injury and I'm getting the wallets. Um, yeah, so I they do really the... like the strategy, but almost every player on the roster carries a pretty large amount of risk. I mean, you already covered Antonio Brown. We all know what Josh Gordon is. I think Baker Mayfield is way overhyped given the production levels that he were likely going to get. And even Tyler Boyd, I mean – shout out to my former partner and partner in other leagues, Christian Dello. Nobody likes Tyler Boyd Boyd more than I do. He was on my roster all last year. I mean, me and Ryman picked him up, started him like 11 times. Um, But, you know, he also is what he is. I mean, if that guy turns back into a pumpkin, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. So this roster scares me pretty good. I think there's a lot of talent. I like what's here. Wouldn't surprise me if they win 10
1: games. Wouldn't surprise me if they win four. So uh, as for Tyler Boyd, talk to him. I think he is actually, I think he is actually good. AJ Green's injury yeah, does way. worry me. They didn't put him on IR, on. so he should be back before uh, Week Six. Della way. did tell me that you dropped him in your other league because you weren't <laughs> able to keep him this year, and that Della was ready to fly home and put you in a, a chokehold.
0: Okay, in fairness to me, we had nine other keepers because we had one of the greatest teams ever put to paper and won the league by a mile and a half. So, Fair enough. So th- that I will say.
1: So as for as for their running backs, like you said, they're, this is like the little finger of running back cores. Chaos is the latter. A bunch of like questionable situations, but at least two or three of these guys will climb to the top. As for Baker... I love that they brought on Todd Munkin. He he loves, like, a modified air raid offense. And you can't overlook adding Odell to Baker. Odell has been having to deal with Eli Manning throwing fucking bags of soggy oatmeal, whereas Baker is, like, one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've seen. I think Baker, even though they weaken their offensive line, I think he's absolutely going to eat. Eight is, like, at the top of what he should have went for, but... I think there's there's absolutely no worries with him as their QB1. Yeah. Well, I think we go from this team, which is a mixed bag, a positive
0: mixed bag. I, I like a oh lot of what's God. here. I and would Ross have Eric? to. I, no, no, no. Matt and Brandon are a positive mixed bag of yeah. pieces. I like what they have. I think what they have will turn into a, an appealing picture once all the pieces are together. Conversely, yeah, I, I think Rodgers Eric... Mind.
2: I think
1: it might be a little bit more
0: than that. Eh, yeah, I think mean, yeah, I think B minus is right given some of the things that have already come out of my mouth.
1: I think on the second, I think this team will come together on the second half of the year. I think they just need to get pulled together enough wins in the first six weeks to to get there. Because one's Miles Sanders, Montgomery really take hold of those uh, those lead jobs. I think they're gonna be in a real strong condition. Okay, so I think I've had enough whiskey tonight
0: and I think I, I can't remember if I poured my third or my fourth glass just now, but Oh I think I just poured
1: my fourth. What are you drinking tonight?
0: I'm drinking a little opadan,
1: brewed in um, hmm.
0: Illinois. It's bourbon, it's called Smoke and Sea. A little French oak and a little Islay scotch barrels or Isla Scotch Barrels. And it's not, honestly, it's not the best whiskey I have. It might be the most interesting, uh, taste wise. Well, what are you working on? I'm
1: actually on a high West rye going back to, uh, oh, the, the,
0: the double rye.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I went for a strong American whiskey just to to power through as we do this and it's, it's more nuanced than I remember. There's actually uh, there's a little bit of depth there. It's a very, very good value if people are looking for under $50 bottles. High West
0: doesn't do a lot wrong. They're they're really solid as far as American whiskey goes. I mean, there's a lot of crap out there that's not from the big companies, and they're one of the few independent names that you can really rely on that anything you buy from them is going to be good. Absolutely. So, you so know, I've, I've had a I've had enough whiskey to confidently say that the only way to describe Russ and Eric's team is with a large and aggressive
1: flatulent noise. I was going to say in post put a flatulent noise or the slide whistle because this is the only team. (laughs) This is the only team. So, all right. I've been doing like keeper equity for all the players. Everyone has been positive so far. They kept Drew Brees for $11. <laughs> Drew Brees would have went for $5. Max. They they had negative $6 of keeper equity, so they had the least – even though a team kept 5 50 overall, their team value is $94. They overspent for Drew Brees. And then to compound their mistake, what did they always tell us in baseball? Don't compound your error. If you make an error on the ground ball, don't also throw the ball away. What did Mm -hmm. they do? They were like, no, we're keeping Drew Brees for 11. We need to stack him with Michael Thomas and make Michael Thomas the most expensive receiver that was taken. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas goes for wide receiver six, wide receiver seven, and they spent $38 on Michael Thomas. Just that start alone is baffling, and there's so much more to get to. What do you have on that?
0: I mean, obviously this team is a lightning rod because Russ wasn't there to draft all of it, and then I had to do a Russ impression after he left, which meant that I'd only bid on players I was certain that he'd heard of. So, you know, and, and that usually meant if I hadn't heard of him, Russ definitely hasn't heard of him. So if he's not on the Giants, we're not bidding if, Russ left with the only instruction being, get me golden tape.
1: <laughs> I need a giant, and yeah. I need a jaguar. Which we got-
0: accomplished. And then, of course, I started throwing darts, and anybody who wanted the player I bid on with Russ threw an absolute shit fit, And and which is always fun for me because he, I drafted five players for Russ. So that means I pissed off five different people, and all five of them acted like I uniquely upset them. And I was solely out to get them in particular, which I, hand up, would be, would cop to if I wanted to ruin your day. I would just tell you I'm going to ruin your day and weaponize Russ's team. Wasn't what happened. But really, I mean, it was such a cherry on top that accidentally, when I pick up the sheet, I, and I'm like, all right, Russ needs a wide receiver. He's got 2 dollars 5 Nobody can match that. I'm just going to pick a name, throw the whole budget at it, so we can finally be done with Russ's team. And I just so happened to pick Troy's favorite sweeper of the year in Michael Gallup. I because wanted
1: he, Michael Gallup. I wanted Michael
0: Gallup. Yeah, He's and he was the, the number one receiver left on the non-PPR draft sheet at 44. And so I drafted him. Troy was angrier with me than I've ever seen him in his entire life.
1: Me and, and Dave were yelling at you from behind. We, were, How could you just completely jump it? To 250, and he's in such a nice slot. But so be it. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So you know, I took a lot of shit, and my one regret is that I I missed the obvious Russ play, and I I don't know who to blame, but of course I don't blame myself. So someone else is at fault here. I should have put Mohammed Sanu on their roster for 250. That would have been the most Russ and Eric thing possible. And about 20 minutes later, somebody called Sanu, and I was like, whoops. You know, like that. I that's my fuck up. Hand up. I you know someone is to blame. I don't know who, but you know Mohammed Sanu should be the two dollar fifty cent player at the bottom of this roster, and you know
1: that that I uh, you know I take responsibility for, on behalf so, of whoever's fault it is. So your uh, your partner Ryman went absolutely bonkers when you drafted Golden Tate for them at two fifty. I thought he was literally gonna split his spleen like he was going nuts when you drafted a suspended player for them but once he comes back I mean when he comes back is about when Eli Manning should just melt into the turf with Jimmy Hoffa and Daniel Danny Dimes should take over and just start throwing to him so I don't completely hate that two players I do hate not hate but were way overpriced Duke Johnson at 20 Darius Geis at 13 like they're both the ostensible number ones for teams with shitty offensive lines. And then to give them credit, I will give them credit. I think Dede Westbrook at 450 is an absolute great value. Nick Foles, I mean, you're an Eagles fan. I'm sure you watched it. He absolutely loves throwing to the slot. Loves throwing to the slot. That is exclusively where Day Westbrook works out of. So not PPR uh, – not half PPR PPR I think Westbrook has a chance to be a really good wide receiver too and even though they overpaid for Thomas I think Westbrook you could do a lot worse than Westbrook as your wide receiver too
0: Yeah the chances that you actually get $20 of value out of Duke Johnson I don't care what happened to Lamar Miller I mean I I think it's more likely that he gets the same treatment Eckler gets where he's still the pass catcher He's still a third exactly. down guy. He's the but maybe, exactly. maybe he gets more second down work than he other would have otherwise otherwise would have gotten. But that doesn't make him an RB one.
1: Yeah, I mean, but people think of people think of Duke Johnson as this very slight uh, receiving back. But he's actually a big boy. Like he is the size of a uh, bell cow running back. He's just never been given that opportunity. Granted. I think the Texans have one of the five worst offensive lines in the league, but if you're going to get goal line work on an offense led by Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins, like there's going to be scoring opportunities. And with them losing Clowney, that defense is going to take another step back and they're going to be behind in games. So as the pass catching running back, there's going to be a lot of work to be had, but at the same time at 20 bucks, like, you guys got Carson and Aaron Jones for 20 bucks or less, and both of them are obviously superior options to Duke Johnson. I just think their valuations were just completely all over the board. And I really wonder, I don't know if you have any insight into this, I didn't ask him, but how much input did Eric have besides the uh, Nick Foles pick for a buck?
0: You know, I didn't get a lot
1: of complaining,
0: to be honest with you. I mean, usually I can, I can goad the other teammates no matter who it is, not just Russ and Eric. No matter who it is to bitch and moan and and I didn't really get any other I get any of that. I mean he told me he thought it could have been a lot worse that they overpaid for Michael Thomas and maybe the Duke, but otherwise he liked the players and that this was the most that the two of these guys have actually collaborated in the in their short history as partners. So it doesn't sound like he's all that upset. I assume the keeper decision was mutual. Um which, you know, I don't know what that says about the two of their uh, fantasy intelligence levels or even, you know, unnamed partner, uh, Nicole Bednarski, who, (laughs) fun fact, post-draft, I said to Eric, I said, look, I almost caused a riot when I put Michael Gallup on your team. I assume you don't care about this guy. If you can find it in your heart to trade him to some of the aggrieved parties, I would appreciate that. Just, you know, keep an open mind. And he said, you know, it's funny, when I showed Nicole the team, she was fucking jazzed about Michael Gallup. And, you know, it was her favorite player on the team. Which isn't to say I won't trade him, but, you know, like I specifically have had conversations about how it was a bonus that we got that guy. So I I don't think he's going anywhere. And if the commissioner's karma is as firmly intact as I think it is, he's probably going to go for 1,300 yards and be the difference between them making the playoffs and not this year. So I really look forward to him being the breakout superstar sensation and then I never hear the end of it for the rest of my life, similarly to the Kevin Jones pick of, uh, you know, 2008.
1: Yeah, and in my, in my conversations with their third partner, uh, Nicole, she seems to be the most well-researched and well-prepared of the group. So I actually agree with her. I think Gallup is like a post-hype sleeper going into his second year. He's going to assume the role as the number two even though they run a little bit of a backwards offense in Dallas, I do like that they uh, brought on Kellen Moore to be their offensive coordinator. I think he'll modernize the offense a little bit, which is a help over what they've been doing recently. But when you take Drew Brees at 11, when he should have went for five and Michael Thomas as the most expensive receiver, it's hard not to get a D minus F. And that's kind of, it's kind of what I gave them. So, going on to hot the ooh the old guys so the old guys i have a uh, i think they were drafting for a different league i they have so many good players on their team that they needed they are going to have start sit headaches every single week if we had another flex in this league then I love what they did. I absolutely love what they did, but given the league that we have, they capped their ceiling for a high floor, and I think it makes it so that it's almost impossible for them to win the league. I also think it's impossible for for them to win the wallets, but not like that matters because we don't see any. We don't see either of them outside of uh, the fucking draft anyway.
0: That's right. You know,
1: I love that strategy. I, I'm always
0: a big spread the wealth and get as many reasonably useful pieces as you can. I think there's a lot of teams that end up with a starting lineup that is playable and then a bench full of lottery tickets, and 95% of those lottery tickets go to shit. And But these guys have, you know... Three, or three bench guys who conceivably could play um, in a second fed, second flex spot. You wouldn't be upset about it. I love that. So, you know, if the Jameis-Mike Evans connection is real, this there's not really much reason to believe this team isn't going to be highly competitive week in and week out. You know, because then you have to assume, I don't know who it's going to be, but carry on, Terry uh, Cohen, or Tevin Coleman – You know, one of them is going to be useful. Same thing
1: for Robbie Anderson and Sammy Watkins, and you've got something cooking. But that's the thing. I think they drafted a very good best ball team. So in best ball, you don't have to decide start fit every week. You just get whatever the best team is for that given week. So there are going to be weeks where Sammy Watkins goes for 120 and a touchdown. Same for Robbie Anderson. Same for Mike Williams. There are, going to be, there are going to be weeks where, oh, we're down by two touchdowns, so let's put Tariq Cohen in, and he's going to catch all the dump-offs from Trubisky. The thing is, are you going to be able to time when those weeks happen and you're going to put them in the starting lineups? Because this team is built for best ball. Granted, Kerryon Johnson is going to be fed beyond belief because Matt Patricia still thinks it's 1985. Mike Evans is going to be a stud with Jameis. I like that they stacked him up, but they're going to have so many regrets throughout the year of, oh, man, we should have fucking started Mike Williams this week and we started Watkins. There, it's just going to be so many of those interchangeable, I wish we started this guy, instead of just combining two of those guys and just getting a stud with a much higher ceiling.
0: Yeah. I, I can't real. I mean – I I can't really disagree with that, but it is sort of my draft philosophy. I I like to keep it as fluid as possible and think that, you know, those draft day headaches aren't going to be week six headaches, that more than likely one of them is going to take a step up and one of them is going to take a step back. And it doesn't really matter to you which one it is as long as it's obvious. Um, And I think with some of these names, there's enough talent that it will be. So, I like the team a lot. I think they're going to be competitive. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they were the first team on the outside looking in. It wouldn't be surprising to me if they stole their division late. Um, I'm a really big fan of their draft day behavior. They, they're one of those teams where I never know if they're going to bid or not, and they just kind of hang out in the back of the room, and then I'll like go over there just to be polite and be like, are you guys in? And then they'll bid for like seven more dollars. And I love that. I love that they're like they're one of the few bid pass wild cards. You never know what they're going to do. You never know if they're paying attention. Sometimes it feels like they're only bid because someone you know actually had the nerve to speak to them. because uh, otherwise they're just sitting there quietly with a host of different printable sheets that I have no idea what's on them. For all I know, Dennis is doing John's taxes for 3 or 4 hours during the draft. And then they occasionally just bid and pass on stuff to make it look like that's not what they're there doing.
1: So I, I think that all that being said, they draft a functionally useful team. Yeah. I mean I, I, I mean I gave it a B plus. There's unbelievable depth. I think I'm I actually think Sam Darnold is pretty good and I think Robbie is gonna be his number one. So I think there's a lot of a lot of value on this team that whichever Whichever players do emerge, like you said, come week six, they do have options. Vance McDonald is going to step into the number one tight end role for Big Ben with Jesse James leaving and all the targets that are obviously vacated by Antonio Brown leaving. John Gruden, even though I think he's a visor wearing dipshit, ha- keeps talking about how good Darren, how big of an opportunity Darren Waller is going to get at tight end. So, like, they have depth. At every position, like I said earlier, we have Matt Brady. That they have Tevin Coleman. I think the six dollars versus the four fifty we paid for Breda is actually going to be the exact split that they're going to get in the San Fran offense. I mean, I, I don't, I do not hate what they did. I just think they capped their ceiling in order to get a very high floor, and they're going to have start sit headaches but they're going to be a middle to top of the middle of the pack team. And, the, you know, I can't really hate them for it.
0: Yeah, I'm a high floor guy, so I'm into it. I like what they've done here. I didn't see it coming. I couldn't have told you a single player they bid on in the draft. And I, I think it's a pretty good roster. I think it's built a lot like the one that I have, you know, where they maybe they have a $30 receiver and Ryman and I haven't had a $30 player in a few years. But I'm into it. And, I you know, I, think, yeah, I mean I think a good way to sum up how into that team I am is to go look at the next team in Jamario.
1: And before we move on, before we move on, so you to got them, something will else. say. Go ahead. Before, we'll move on in a second, but they are like the, uh, they're so silent that they are basically like the Anne Frank of fantasy teams mm-hmm. where you do not hear a goddamn thing, but out of nowhere, they just wind up put the hand up above the floorboard, and then out of nowhere, they wind up with a halfway decent team. And And you told me
0: that they tried to bid four or five times and I just never turned around and they just like never said anything and just moved on to the next guy. I believe that you you
1: were, you were very hostile to our corner of the room. I'll include them to our corner. I think it's because you just didn't want to acknowledge any Ryman bids, but (laughs) your your ass was to our corner of the room, like 96% of the time.
0: Well, see, I know with Ryman, and I think this year we finally found the groove of it, in that I don't want him drawing attention to himself as being, like, part of the bidding. He just kind of will know that the gift of being the commissioner auctioneer's partner is that he'll always get the last bid if he wants it. That I'm not going to bang the gavel until him and I make eye contact. So there were more than a few guys that I knew were on his list, that I just didn't look at him at until I was near the finish line and then I went to him to get him in. So that is part of it. I mean, there's not, which isn't to say, I don't want him to be part of the bidding. It's just, that he doesn't have to be like other people know if they're not, if I'm not paying attention to you, I'm going to move on without your ass. He doesn't have to worry about that. So I can give him some time to like feel out the room and the bidders before he has to start swinging around bids and passes. Um, but, yeah, no. I think also the other side of the room, Jake, Connor, Bob, Jim, Brandon, and maybe Venish, who technically, you know, even though it was probably closer to you, I was kind of looking at him that way, they bid on just way more players than everyone else. Like, you, Dave, Kling, Juan... Uh, Bob and uh, uh, Dennis and John and Jimmy and Mario, like, if you're not in, you just sit out. You don't play along yeah. throughout the bidding process. So uh, if you guys weren't in, I
1: just moved on. I knew I didn't have to wait. So Dave and I did adopt a different strategy this year because for the first time since Mike Sims Walker back in the day, we were like, we are not leaving this draft with a player that we do not want just because we're bidding them up because the value is too ridiculous. So that is something that we explicitly discussed this year. Even though there were players we thought went for uh, too low, we were just like, we're not jumping in on bullshit this year because we always get left standing at the altar with a player that we do not want to marry. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and I've been there before.
0: I've You know, I took home a $30 Des Bryant when he was an $18 player. I, I know what that's
1: like, and it's not fun. All right, let's move on to QB1 over here with uh, the Fisher-Mario combo. So Mahomes for nine, I mean, I think he would have went for about 20. He deserves it. I mean, he's probably going to be QB1 again this year. I am of the belief that Deshaun Watson will at least challenge him, but there's no arguing with Pat Mahomes for nine. Um, Mark Ingram for 21, He's moving on to probably the only offense that may run it as much or more than they pass it in in the Ravens. I'm very skeptical on AJ Green's injury recovery. Hawkinson for six. Juju does he's one of the few elite wide receiver ones. I think people think, oh, wide receiver so deep, wide receiver so deep, but there's really only like six or seven elite wide receiver ones. Juju's one of them. After that, I think there's a lot of question marks, including they are the team that jumped on the uh, Daniel Jones grenade, hoping that he takes over for Eli at some point in the season. And uh, I will say that I do like Curtis Samuel. What do you got for them?
0: I hate this team. got to tell you, I like Mahomes. I like Ingram. I'm a huge Juju guy. He carried Delo and I in another league. Um, Other than that, this team is, like, devoid of interesting pieces. I mean, yes, if A.J. Green is healthy and on field and stays that way, then, you know, he's a superstar, but that literally never happens. They overpaid for a rookie tight end who, you know, maybe he bucks the trend. I doubt it. Even if he doesn't, you're not going to keep him at 12 because, you know, if he, even if he's sort of a sophomore breakout guy, not really gonna overpay for that. You know, it, it's sort of you know, you're gonna hope to get him for six as a sophomore and right? maybe keep him after the breakout at twelve the year after when he's Zach Ertz. Um Corey Davis, I mean, you know, sexy name, Ryman and I were right the huge Ryman sleeper last year. That is year, not a se-
1: that is not a sexy name.
0: No no sexy combine, I guess. Sexy you know, yeah, they, he, literally he, he is, sexy without a show. He off.
1: is uh, he is supposed to be a number one with uh, A.J. Brown being drafted there. I will say with Hawkinson, he's from Iowa. He's supposed to be a Kittle clone, but you're right. At $6, there there were better, uh, better tight end options. And as I said about... For 50 cents, I mean, Eifert's going to be injured by week three, but hopefully they get a game or two out of him. As I
0: said last year with their $4.50 Pat Mahomes pick, it doesn't make sense to pay that much because there's no chance you're going to keep him next year. And <laughs> and obviously I was proved right in that statement. So I feel I feel confident running it back about TJ Hawkins that it's just a it's just a gross misvaluation of keeper value. It's
1: useless and they're going to come to regret it. Yeah, I mean I think they're just going to play Corey Davis or Curtis Samuel until AJ Green comes back and they're going to be frustrated for a lot of the year. Um as for Royce Freeman, I mean, this team drafted him ahead of Philip Lindsay, so they're still hoping that they can go more to a 50-50 split in the backfield with Freeman to Lindsay and Freeman was injured last year, but still like you can't rely on that. He should be a running back three or four and they have him as running back too. So there are definitely some players that they're going to need to emerge and te- take a step forward. But at the same time, having Pat Mahomes putting up 30 points every week for your team makes things a little bit easier. See, this is what these guys do.
0: They overanalyze, they, get, they fall in love with their sleepers, and they just get to the point where they're like, I have to have this guy. So if Corey Davis is a $2 player and they just are in love with him, there's just no amount of money they won't bid to get them and, and waste all this bench value on a couple guys who are 2 or $3 overpaid, which is massively, massively deflating at that part of the bench. But then they take the absolute opposite approach with the superstars where they're like, it's almost like a penny-wise, dollar-foolish sort of thing. Like, they overanalyze the roster so hard that they end up just gripping it too tight and coming home with this weird, like, okay, if every single guy on the roster has the outlier good season they could have, we'll win the league by 700 fantasy points. But if all of those dice rolls don't come out exactly right, we'll probably finish in third place of our division. And that's –
1: I think you're exactly right. With Corey Davis, Juju, Hawkinson, Ingram – they played. They paid top-of-the-market value and high-end of what these players could go for. So there's so little room for error with where they paid for these sleeper picks where, yeah, these are players that are nice and have opportunity and possibility to really break out. But where you're paying for them, there is much less wiggle room for them to fail. So you need them to actually perform in order to make value on your $111 team. Yeah, this
0: is who they are. And they sit there and they they take more time per bid than any other team in the league, which as the auctioneer is not appreciated.
1: And they're always both there. It's not like they're on the phone with someone.
0: Yeah, they sit there and just whisper in each other's ears the whole time. So even if entertaining things are happening, we don't get to enjoy it. Which
1: I can't abide. I will say it's a little surprising being that who both of them are that they don't have a Chief or an Eagle when it's honestly possible that those teams wind up seeing each other in the Super Bowl. Well, well they do have, they I, do I, have, have Mahomes. Mahomes. Obviously Mahomes. Obviously, Mahomes. They do have Mahomes. But yeah, I mean,
0: it, credit to Jimmy, he usually has like an Eagle super sleeper. Like, he wouldn't be the guy to go out and take Miles Sanders. But he would take, like, our fourth string receiver or, like, Goddard or, you know, something like that. Um, And then end up dropping the guy in week three because he's a bum. Uh, You know, and and then I also, you know, there was a long time early on when we were younger that I thought Jimmy was the brains of the operation. And then the last three or four years I thought it was Mario. And then now I don't know. I mean, maybe... Like, Mario is the brains of the operation, but Jimmy is the balls of the operation or the dick of the operation, and, and the brain can't stop the dick from making all the decisions? Like, I I don't know what to make of it because they have such moments of just lucidity and brilliance, and they make shrewd decisions, and then they have moments of just pure lust and fantasy and nonsense, and it just doesn't work.
1: <laughs> They are like the the team that someone slipped a, like a Viagra into their beer and just out of nowhere they wind up going nuts for, like, Corey Davis. They just got those yeah. drunken blinders on. And they're like, oh, my God, Corey Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just 407 dollars at him when there were so many other good options for that price or cheaper.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe this will be the year these guys get back into contention, but it just feels like they're going to suck again. And it feels I will like you guys cr- haven't been good since 2005. And I'm not going to fact-check that. I just know it's true.
1: I'll give them credit for Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel is actually an interesting player who's going to move into a big role as the wide receiver 1A, 1B of the uh, Panthers this year. So now on to Troy and who probably had the most obvious um, Second year in a row. draft strategy. Most obvious draft strategy, which – Honestly, like, I respect it. I really respect their fans of the Cowboys and the Giants. They're both are like, we'll get your best guy. You get our best guy. Granted, Odell's not on the Giants anymore, but I'm sure Zach still has an affinity for him. But they take Zeke at 39, O.J. OJ Howard or Odell Beckham at 3450. And, you know, those are two absolute studs. Like, they took the risk on Zeke. So, Troy must know his team. I'll give well, him credit. If, if Troy knew they didn't, they didn't get Tony Pollard, so they went, they went skydiving without the net. They, they were like, we know that they're going to wind up resigning Zeke at some point. So, they paid top-of-the-market value for Zeke when it was still questionable whether he was going to resign or not. But, I mean, as of today, Zeke has resigned, Odell has a much better quarterback throwing to him when he gets vertical separation deep whenever he wants. O.J. Howard, with I think he's tight end number four or five this year. And then Sterling Shepard is the ostensible number one for Zach's team, the Giants, until Golden Tate comes back. And granted, I think Ingram's going to have a big role, but I really can't hate too much with their starting lineup. See, that's where if you're – and I'm not one of these people
0: anymore. I think Dello and I used to draft this way, and we won a title doing it, and I love it, and it's fun on draft day. But if you're a Stars win fantasy guy, you know, they have a top-five quarterback, a top-five running back, a top-five receiver, and a top-five tight end, which is they're the only team that can say that, in my opinion. But I think the problem is every other guy on the roster might suck. You know, Sterling Shepard is an interesting pick. He's an interesting flex one. Not a crap of a – is it's not a waste of a pick. Every other guy on the roster might be a zero. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if in five weeks Anderson, AP, Deion Lewis, Cobb, Mariota, all, all the kicker, the defense, are all cut and replaced by somebody else.
1: I agree. I think I think Calvin Ridley. Even though I don't like him, I don't like his draft profile. Um, I think his the amount of touchdowns he cost, caught last year was at a somewhat unsustainable rate. I do think he is still a solid wide receiver too. i I'd probably put him ahead of Shepard and Marvin Jones. So they have some depth with Shepard, Jones, and Ridley at wide receiver two. I do agree with you that Peterson, Lewis, Cobb, and fucking Tannehill out- outplayed Mariota for all of preseason. I think their bench is just absolute garbagio. And then, of course, they took, what was it Rosas? I think he's the Giants kicker. And then the Cowboys' D. Granted, I kind of like the Cowboys' D, but I, I think Troy was bugging out when uh, when Zach spiked them for the dollar bid. <laughs> Yeah, he was not into that, and I think like you know, for, I think
0: that people just sort of didn't drink the Kool Aid, and that's this is why I was yelling at Ryman for the same thing, um, or at least mock yelling at Ryman is that you know the dollar bit in the defense is just it's it's like a oh everybody else is doing it this looks like fun let me just go get the guy that I want you know to see every day when if it's not the Bears the Jaguars the Rams. It's just a waste of a defense.
1: Flat I will say, I will say, the only defense that went for two dollars was the Bears. Granted, I already discussed how I think they're going to regress a little bit, but no one really went nuts with uh, kickers or defense this year. So, the the league is definitely getting much tighter and much smarter as how they approach kicker defense and quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, we still have a lot of $1 defenses. I think that's something I think is a little silly, is that once you get past the first three, they should all be 50 centers. Now, there should be probably zero dollar kickers. We had $2.50 kickers and multiple dollar kickers. I get it. You know, it's 50 cents, not going to make or break your season. Um, but at the same time, it's like, man... It's just a waste. It's just a literal waste. And there's gonna be a player later you're gonna lose on for fifty cents that you'd wish you had and you're not gonna be able to afford. Now, if you wanna spend the dollar fifty or two dollars on the on Zero Line and the Bears, or Zero Line and the Rams, or Zero Line and the Jags, I support it. But beyond that, I think it's a waste.
1: Yeah, I mean overall, I, I do like the, the top end of this team, but I think The flex spots and the bench are going to be a little bit of a headache, so I gave them a C plus.
0: I think the other reason that's hard when you have this strategy is you can't trade because everyone's margins are so tight that no one's going to have enough wealth to give you a package of pieces that's strong enough to, to, to pull a Zeke or an Odell off your roster. So you're basically riding or dying with Matt Ryan, Zeke, Beckham, Howard, no exceptions, no trades, no injuries, and any one of those four guys gets injured and this team wins three games.
1: Yeah, I so, mean, but Matt Ryan, Zeke, Odell, O.J. Howard is like a 70 to 80-point floor, so at least it gives them a base to hope that one of those other guys steps forward and really allows them to put a piece together. But that is something Dave and I noticed is that once we move to 16 teams – it is so hard to put a, an actual trade together to actually upgrade your team. It, it it really just makes it so difficult, especially with all the bench spots. It's it's very tough. So let's move on to Brees. Brees without Tyler. I think Tyler was in the Riviera sipping on some uh, Chianti, and I'm not going to lie, I think Brees was really missing his Infinity Whiskey bottle because I have big question marks about this team. Even though I think Deshaun Watson has a chance to be QB1 over Mahomes, especially with at $2, I have questions about almost every other pick they have.
0: It's not a very good team. It's just not. It's just not. There's not a lot to get excited about here. Leonard Fournette is a wild overpay at
1: $29, in my opinion. So, he so barely I think hung it's on an- to his
0: job last year.
1: I think Fournette is a slight overpay, but I also think that Fournette has a better chance to return value than Devonte Freeman does.
0: Yeah, I don't think either one. Like neither of those guys are guys I would draft at those prices, because I think you're. That's where you rapidly enter the zone where I'd rather have Carson, Aaron Jones, Duke Johnson, these twenty dollar running backs. Maybe the oh, Duke is your style. But I'd rather have the $20 running backs than the $28 running backs.
1: I completely agree. Like, I think I think the Jaguars' offense was all about hiding Blake Bortles for the last three years. And even though I don't think he is, like, a superstar, I do think Foles is a step up. And yeah. their offensive line is good. They want to introduce Fournette to the passing game. Devontae Freeman, I rode that roller coaster last year to death um, once he got injured, but I think Ido Smith is an absolute scrub, and Devontae Freeman is going to get a lot of work on a very high-powered, explosive offense. Their bench, uh, kind of garbage. I mean, you this was the only team that you name-checked thanks to uh, Kiki Kuti. You honestly didn't think that was a player?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I really didn't. And I can't believe I mean I gotta hand it to the, the league. Maybe they have too much respect for the commissioner, maybe they're just too lazy, maybe they don't think it's that funny. But nobody this year took a chance at trying to get me to shout out a guy who didn't exist.
1: Bougie Wilson, Bougie Johnson? Bougie Wilson, he's not already yet.
0: No, nobody nobody threw out like there's always I think last year or the year before it was like a it was like a DeMarcus uh, you know La Johnson or something that someone tried to get me to shout, and I was on it in a heartbeat. Um, nobody took a shot. I questioned roughly forty-five names of players who actually existed, but nobody took a chance. Uh, I couldn't believe Kike, Keke, Kute, Kuti, Kutoa. I I couldn't believe that was an actual person.
1: And it is it is very on-brand for this team to wind up with Hunter Renfro as the last spot of the squad. I just really don't know what they're going to do for their second flex spot. Like, who on their team would you feel confident putting in there?
0: Jordan Howard early and think that he's going to be an RB1 for maybe three or four weeks.
1: And that's it. And that's it. And they... The thing that kind of – I don't know if it helps them or fucks them, but they took Kuti and Breeze had to take a Dolphin, so he took Kenny Stills. But Stills is on the Texans now, so Stills and Kuti are going to be battling for that wide receiver three role outside of Hopkins and uh, Will Fuller. So they're just hoping that one of them turns into a decent stack with Deshaun Watson.
0: I also think they're making the classic Jared Cook mistake here. I mean, this guy, I, mean, at, at the I love the time, Cook man,
1: but fuck. At the same time, he's a top eight tight end. Like, he's going to the Saints. Drew Brees is going gonna, is gonna to throw to the tight end. Like, he always does. He's not someone I, I do not think he's going to crack the top five, but he put up stats on the fucking Raiders last year. Like, in the Saints offense, there's at least going to be a little volume to go around. But he's that guy who scores, like, three touchdowns one week and he's got an like, if
0: you're a tight end who scores three touchdowns one time, you're basically guaranteed to be a top eight tight end.
1: He's very inconsistent. Like I guess say – You get
0: enough points – He gets enough points within one of the first four weeks to guarantee a top eight finish at the position. So, I, I don't know. I feel like you end up with 80% dud weeks – He single-handedly wins you two weeks, and then everything else is a fucking comes out in the wash. So I don't love it. I I, I mean, this team, I think it stinks. If Deshaun Watson challenges Pat Mahomes for QB1 overall, that might be enough to get them to 7, 8, 9 wins. But other than that, uh,
1: they're going to be scrambling. I agree. I think where they started with Watson at two, I give this team like a C minus. I I really think if Brees would have brought a infinity whiskey bottle flask for himself throughout the draft, I think it would have gone a lot smoother. But, uh, you know, I just, I think there's a lot of trap doors on this team and a lot of ways for them to finish third or fourth in their division. Yeah,
0: and I, and I, that was maybe the only reason I made it four hours at the draft is because there was no whiskey to poach. Because I was just chugging out of people's pitchers. So depending on who you are listening right now, you might have been a casualty of that. Where I would just come by and put my lips right on your pitcher that Dave bought, and and drink directly from it. Um, but the fact that I didn't consume a drop of whiskey is probably the only reason I made it
1: four hours before I tapped David. That's a fair point for the following years because the last two years have you as you have dipped into the infinity bottle the deterioration has been absolutely rapid as we go into the dollar players.
0: Yeah, and I will say that later that night I was fucking trashed. Like when I got home after the draft. I was like laying on the couch with like vertigo and tunnel vision. Like I was just completely destroyed because usually I take more breaks. Usually I'll tap Dave in for, like, a pee break after, like, two hours, two and a half. He'll do a couple picks. I'll come back. Or I'll do a little chatting. You know, I think we really were just flying through that draft. Um, and then I just yeah, hit every- a wall. I think roughly, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 players to go, I just completely tapped out. Like, I, I tapped Dave in, had no interest in being a part of it, Couldn't couldn't be a part of it. And I just sat like destroyed over my Meadow and 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 that was the end of my night.
1: Yeah, I think that was kind of the theme of the draft is everyone stayed like thirty three percent sober than normal. Like I went out after the draft into the parking lot to do a sife with Dave and them, and then it was kinda of game over. But during the draft everyone stayed relatively even keel there was no like round of shots there was no blunt joint pass around so everyone stayed relatively good so i think that led to a lot more even draft overall but like i said this is still a c-minus granted where they put their money into next up we move to the kevins uh i just want to know if you have a little more insight than i might have as to how airy felt after the luck retirement which happened the day before
0: well, not only did luck retire, and then he showed up in a luck jersey, but he also showed up you know thirty minutes late to the draft and Namju happened to spend i think uh let me see here eighty dollars of their budget before he arrived, so he basically <laughs> showed up to draft fifty cent players alongside Namju the rest they of the
1: drafted way. one two, three four five six. Seven fifty cent players.
0: Yes, seven of them.
1: And two, so, two one dollar players.
0: Yeah. And I like that strategy. If you're going stars and scrubs, I mean, fucking do it. And they really did. I mean, feeling isn't an outrageous value at sixteen. It, it, you know, if we're being charitable, maybe it's ten dollars value.
1: Um, I, I they, gave it so. So I gave it seven dollars value. I thought. Thielen would have went for around 23, so I think he would have went a little bit above Amari Cooper, who went for 22. I think 23 is fair for Thielen for the amount of volume he gets. He's just an absolute stud week in, week out. Yeah, and
0: I I like the players they invested in. If you're going to overspend on a running back, I like overspending on Le'Veon because the contract he has, the Jets might give him 425 touches.
1: So this is where I'm a little worried. So Le'Veon Bell, the reports that came out of the Jets were that the GM really wanted him, but the head coach, Adam Gase, who's a bit of a psychopath, didn't really want him. And now the GM is gone, and Adam Gase is still there and has taken on more control. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is obviously going to be fed into the ground. It's not like Ty Montgomery is going to take over his starting role, but... For a guy that hasn't played in a year and a half, 37.50 is quite an investment. It's a
0: lot. It's a lot. And and I say, as a Travis Kelsey owner, he was really touchdown dependent last year. And you have to think, I don't care how good he is, you have to think Patrick Mahomes isn't going to throw 50 touchdowns. And it's actually overwhelmingly likely he doesn't throw 40. So if Patrick Mahomes throws 38 touchdowns, what is that going to do to Travis Kelsey's value?
1: Is I mean, he still going the to same, be a
0: twenty-six dollar player.
1: At the same time, you're going in every week knowing you have the advantage of tight end. Like Travis Kelsey, even if he doesn't live up to what he did last year, you're going into tight end one, two, or three. He's in the best offense in the league, and he is a focal point of it. So I can't be too upset about that. Uh, I, I thought Fuller for $5 was an absolutely fantastic value. Yeah, good value there. As I for like Philip Lindsay at 9.5. Good value there, too. I think that's fair value for Lindsay as they try to work Freeman back in. Um, as for quarterback, Stafford apparently is recovering from, like, a broken back on a team that wants to run the ball. And Jacoby Brissett, like, I hope he works out for Aries' sake, but – I don't have much faith. Like, quarterback, I think we both extol on late-round quarterback as being the proper ethos for fantasy football. But Matt Stafford and Jacoby Brissett is just like an unacceptable duo to run into the league with. And I want to know why Namju wasn't fined for calling out Brown's kicker. He didn't even know who the Brown's kicker was. He just called out Brown's kicker. You can't do that. (laughs)
0: That's a, I'm pretty sure he was fined for that because he kept saying just write down Brown's kicker, and I said that's not how it works. Like that's just flatly, flagrantly in violation of everything. That's not how this goes. So he definitely got fined for that. And the fact that it went into the sheet is Brown's question, Brown's kicker question mark. If he wasn't fined, he is now fined. And Jimmy Ryan is fined for not giving it a quick Google search. I don't care if you have to run your own team. The commissioner literally auctioneers the league and doesn't pay attention to his own team. You can kick (laughs) in, chart some names, and do an occasional Google search. It's not going to cost you. So fines for everyone, and I'm, I'm interested in this team. I'm rooting for this team. I'm not bullish about this team. I think it's overwhelmingly likely they finished in last place in their division this year. Um, but if Matt Stafford shows signs of life, and the Will Fuller pick and the Philip, Philip Lindsay pick are better than expected, they'll be good. I can see yeah, live to this team winning nine games. I can see it. Little luck. My big little elbow grease. Mm, nine nine wins. I can see it.
1: I mean, there's no Andrew Luck, but I I do love the Will Fuller pick. I think Lindsay will get work. I think they're going to really be frustrated at quarterback to hit twenty points per week, and they—they, they, I mean, it comes down to they need Le'Veon Bell to be Le'Veon Bell. They paid for Pittsburgh Steelers Le'Veon Bell, and there's no guarantee that he's going to be that on the Jets. So they paid top of the market value for him and Kelsey, and if they don't produce at that value. Then they're going to be missing the playoffs and hoping to avoid the Wallets.
0: Yeah, this could be. This is a wallet. They're like a bad ACL to any one of those three stars away from the
1: Wallets. So this next team here is uh, Powers, Sippin, Chianti on the Riviera, and Maddo. And I think this was the tale of two drafts. So their starting lineup, I think it's fantastic. I think it's very good. Kittle for two, great keeper. I think he went for, would have went for about 22 bucks. So 20 bucks of keeper equity, team value 120 They spent all their money on their top six players. And the rest of the team, the entire rest of the team was $0.50. Cents. I think their starting lineup is truly, like, special. really, really solid. But their bench is absolute dog shit. It is Terrible. old. It has. It, old. Bad no baby. upside and just complete dog shit. I don't even know if Theo Riddick is on a team at this point. Rex Burkhead is wide receiver number. or running back number six. Dog shit. Two Titans as kicker in defense. Like, it really fell apart on the bench. But the starting lineup with. Barkley, Lockett, who I absolutely love, Kittle, Edelman, A-Rob, a lot of potential. I'll give Maddow credit for that. But once you go to the bench, they are just praying. There are literally people on the waiver wire right now that I would rather be on my team than some of these bench spots. That's what I'm curious about.
0: you know, Because Powers gave Maddow a lot of resources. And I went over to see the sheet. It was a good sheet, peered with the notes, color-coded. Maddo was humming with it, but it really feels like Maddow kind of took over on the bench because it's hard for me to think that Powers had Sanu, Burkhead, Beasley, Riddick, Witten, Manning as his sleepers. Yeah, I, I really have a hard time. Or that our DFS specialist, you know, the, the, the weekly man himself, Powers, think, fuck it, I'm just going to cut all these guys anyway. I literally don't care who you pick, spend all your money on the starting lineup, and then only buy 50, 50 cent guys the rest it's of the That's
1: what league. it feels like. That's what it feels
0: like. Yeah. But, you know, Maddo, as usual, committed, confident, quiet, was really happy with his own performance. Nobody likes to smell his own farts on draft day like Matto does. And, you know, I think if you ask, I mean, he'd tell you, he's got one of the best teams in the league. And now. I, I happily disagree, but at the same time, you know what, man? He had a plan. He stuck to it,
1: and he's happy. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not – Edelman is healthy. I think Robin, Allen Robinson has showed he could be good with Blake Bortles, and another year removed from his injury, I think he's going to solidify himself as the number one wide receiver on the Bears, lock it with Baldwin gone, and – Russell Wilson, who I think is a top five quarterback, I think his efficiency last year was absolutely insane and now he's only going to get more volume. Saquon, he's obviously a top three pick in every draft I've done. So like their start like I said, their starting lineup has a lot of a lot, a lot of talent, a lot of potential. It's just if anything goes wrong, they are literally the flying Graysons without a safety net. Like they are they they have nowhere to go if things go wrong for the squad. So they've just got to ride it out and hope that they could put at least 60 to 80 bucks of that free agent budget on whatever player winds up breaking out in the first three weeks. Yeah, I, I, I'm into it, though. I'm into it. I, I think of, of the
0: starting lineup, fuck the bench uh, rosters, this is one of the more solid ones. And knowing Powers is going to pay attention to it throughout the year because we know Mado is going to be too busy, you know, just beating people with his nightstick and you know dropping small amounts of weed on the floor of classy business establishments <laughs> and, and running around the crack. Exactly, um, you know, and just stealing money from old women on street corners. You know, you got to think his team's going to be well managed. You got to think of there's talent here. Powers is going to turn it into a you know a playoff team, and who knows? Maybe Dak takes a step forward. The Cowboys are good, and and they have you know if they get top eight quarterback production, and the rest of the guys are decent as expected. You know it wouldn't surprise me if this team is competitive. They they have they have Garrett and Juan potential of the quarterback's a little better than he's supposed to be. One of these receivers becomes a superstar and then the Stars, they have produced as they're supposed to, and they win a lot of football games. I see potential for that here. If it doesn't happen, I wouldn't be shocked. I see more potential for that here than with both, most, most rosters.
1: Yeah, I mean, at, at the same time, I mean, you said Powers is going to be monitoring waiver wires throughout the season. I mean, Meadow should have some time now that the uh, NYPD is in their uh, their slowdown period. But, I mean, that's a, that's a topic for our other podcasts as Pantaleo was, was fired there. But they have no keeper potential on their entire team, especially since Kittle is going to be thrown back into the list next year. I mean, granted, could go Prescott for five, but not really worth it. So they'll be going keeper keeperless for next year most likely and the bench as we said is absolute hot dog shit but that starting lineup should at least propel them to six, seven, eight wins and I can't really be too upset about it. So we move on to our last team here. This is Vinendello. So when I first looked at this starting lineup, I have to I have to admit, I was taken back to age thirteen. You want me to set the scene? Yeah. All right. Age 13. You're watching Comedy Central. Maybe you're watching Spike TV. It turns midnight. The original programming has ended. All of a sudden, the Jamaican steel drums start banging. Please add it into post right now. This is like a girl gone wild. <laughs> level starting wild. <laughs> this shit is fucking amazing with this starting lineup. Granted, just like those commercials, you can blur out the bench spots, the BVBVB movies. You can blur all those bench spots out, but this starting lineup is fucking amazing. How do you feel about
0: it? You know, Venetian Dello have been saying exactly the same thing to me, that they're like so jazzed, their team is so good. They can't Story get enough. So good. They they're obsessed. And I have issues. I'm going to be honest with you. The the flex positions incredible. The receivers absolutely absurd. Woods everybody who with a brain loves DeAndre Hopkins. Everybody who doesn't care about women loves Tyreek Hill. I think Ebron, I'm a Prescott guy. So I like Ebron more than most. I think he's a great value pick at a dollar.
1: For a dollar, um, it's worth it. For $1, amazing, $1, worth amazing
0: it. dollar flyer.
1: So he's going to have insane touchdown regression. There's no way he's going to catch. I don't know. What did he catch? Ten, twelve, whatever touchdowns last year. Yeah, he's not no going chance. to catch that. But for a dollar, you whatever, didn't pay anything. Worth it. And and Johnny Goff, uh, you know,
0: I I think you're really just betting on McVeigh, which I think is a great bet. I don't think Jared Wait, Goff,
2: I don't they just think John them.
0: Goff, I don't think Jack Goff, I don't think any of the Goffs are any good. Ooh, Jack
1: Jack Goff is the one.
0: Well, when you started with the late-night Comedy Central, I thought that's where this <laughs> was going.
1: Don't forget Spike TV, but Jack Goff with – oh, I like that they stacked him with Woods. So anytime Woods catches that touchdown, it's double, double bangers. It's fucking threesome right there, but – I just I love what they did with this team. I think Sony okay. Michel for third. I think Sony Michel for 13 might be the running back. Might be, be the running back to play of the draft. He is the best undercover pick to lead the NFL in touchdowns. Like the the Patriots number 1 running back always eats. Always eats. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to dominate. And then, then you add Woods, Hopkins. You're, you're presuming, presuming he's going to be Hopkins. the guy.
0: He's got like the guy. seven guys on that depth chart. There's a it guy
1: is, who's currently him. in the James Arena White, Football League. Damian Harris. Yeah,
0: there's a guy who's currently in the Arena Football League who's got just as good a chance to run for nine touchdowns as Sony Michelle in the Patriots' offense.
1: Yeah, but they got Sony Michelle and Damian Harris, so they have. Two of the options that are actually going to run the ball. Yes, Obviously, James White is going to be the pass catching back, but Sony Michelle and then they drafted Damian Harris, I think in the third round this year, they have it locked up. Like, Rex Burkhead is not going to be a thing this year. We thought he was going to be a thing last year. It didn't happen. The fucking white cue ball just didn't work out. Granted, the back end of their bench with Haskins and McKinnon are eminently cuttable. There's no reason for them to be on a team. There are fine people on the waiver wire to pick up, but their starting lineup in our league that is so shallow with starting spots, girls gone wild, bang the steel drums, let it fucking go. I think they're in line for an absolute playoff spot, and I don't see how they don't get it unless fucking tragedy strikes. I told Delo
0: that he better not disrespect me and win the league now that we're not partners anymore. That I would take it as a personal affront if he won and diluted our 2011 playoff win, which is rapidly approaching its 10-year anniversary. Now, um, I just won't stand for it.
1: So Delo still, still talks about how he always looks for a player like Marquez Colson, who is eligible as a tight end. <laughs> But it was a, obviously a wide receiver. Like, that's still his strategy is to look for that inefficiency in the market.
0: I mean, I got to hand it to him. In those years, he was on fire. I mean, we only won the title because he was pounding the waiver wire, and he came away with Mike Talbert and Peyton Hillis, and we literally started them 12 times each on the way to the title. Do uh, you still
1: have a Hillis jersey? Yeah, 100%. Of course.
0: Thousand percent. I, you know, I'll never get rid of that. I might wear that to next year's draft. <laughs> I mean, I sort of stopped wearing grown men's names on my back, but otherwise, if I did, I, I'd break
1: out the Hillis in four seconds. I will say that is something that I also adopted was that uh, once I started getting into soccer was just give me the uh, just give me the team shirt. I don't need a, I don't need a dude's name and number on my back. Um, Now that
0: I've worked closely enough with these guys to see what this is, I'm good on the jerseys. (laughs) I'm good on it. Now that I've met a few of these human beings, at least the baseball ones, eh, uh, I'm good. You know, that in the Chris sketch that, you know, if you run into a guy on the street and he's wearing your jersey, you get to fuck that guy. I think, I think you know. I I think that's fair, and I also don't want to get caught in that position. I'd hate to have a Peyton Hillis jersey on in public, <laughs> run into him, and him say, "Look, I get to fuck you
1: now because you're
0: wearing my jersey." I I
1: hate for that to happen to me. See, I feel I feel like that is a fair rule, and you run into enough of these guys that it's actually a real worry for you that it could actually happen. That you just have to like assume the position. And just let them go to town. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I think it's it's the personal hedge that I just don't wear jerseys anymore.
1: So, I mean, this team, I give the starting lineup an A+. I give the bench, like, a C. But, like, the bench doesn't matter in our league. So, I can't hate on them for going a true stars and scrubs uh, team composition.
0: Which starting lineup-only team do you like better, this team or Troy and Chap?
2: Uh,
1: them, I like their flex spots way better. I mean, their Sterling Shepard, Marvin Jones, Calvin. Like I love Zeke and Odell, but like I think DeAndre Hopkins and Tyree Kill cancel out Zeke and Odell, and I like the other spots that Vinandello have rolling in the flex. So, granted, their bench is just absolutely hot, wet New York City garbage, I that doesn't matter on a week-to-week basis. Like They just need to find one other guy, it may be Traquan Smith, like, to fill in on bye weeks, otherwise they're fucking set. They don't have to make start-sit decisions like the fucking old guys do. They just play the studs every week, and they know they're going to roll. Alright.
0: Gun to your head. Can't pick yourself. Who wins this league? Who who finishes with the wallets?
1: Oh. Oh. Wallets? (sighs) I think it might finally be Russ and Eric's time. Just because next year, I think it would be absolutely fantastic if they send Nicole as an emissary and neither of them draft and she just pulls together a championship squad next year.
0: Well, that's going to be hard to do because this league is a, a really strict no women policy. So oh, they're going to, is it, they're is going to have is to this play. Like the
1: fucking uh, the little rascals? Like the 100 women haters club?
0: Absolutely. Do you know what kind of slippery slope this opens us up to? I mean, next thing you know, Claudia, slope?
2: There
1: are Claudia Ryan want will be here.
0: Way. Nikki we still, will we still be want there.
1: Robbie, we still want Robbie Powers in the league. Like, we're still trying to get. We're still trying to get more people involved. There's still a fucking long waiting list. So it, I still think as an emissary, she would probably draft a better team than either of them could. So I'm rooting for her. That's another the reason. Wallets. I
0: mean, there's certain women we just can't have on a competitive balance. I mean, I wouldn't let, you know, uh, Mama Fortune to show up either. You know I mean? She'd probably just straight up win the league. So. You know, part of it is a quality of life issue for guys that just simply wouldn't want their wives to be exposed to this. And the other is, you know, there has to be certain traditionalist men-only establishments in 2020. And I think the 15-year fantasy football league is godfathered into some anti-progressive facets of society. And I think... Women's rights is one of them, I think, because this league started in the 90s. That's not right. This league started in the early 2000s that we get grandfathered, godfathered into some of that. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that we've always had, um, you know, a, a, a pretty consistent mark in that regard. You know, like, we've never really flirted with it. Our group didn't really have any close female friends. Uh, we resisted the ability for anyone to bring their mothers into this. And the last thing we need is for the wives to leverage their way into this league. So it's just a straight moratorium. No females, no women, no um, no sisters, no daughters. Um, and that's the one, how it
1: is. The one thing I will say is for any of the uh, single guys out there, Reporting yourself as a feminist is actually financially a very good deal. Ooh. Like if you're trying to go out to nice dinners, nice brunches, nice bars, like pushing equality is actually good on your bank account. So that is the one thing I will say where like you try to go chivalrous and they're like, uh no, I have a good job, like we don't need to do that. Like that'll actually save you a little bit of coin. So on the reverse end of that exclusionary idea, for the single guys out there, it is actually a good policy to push push feminism instead of being a oh like I'm the man, like I'll I'll take care of this. That's that's the only thing I will say on that uh in that regard.
0: Oh, look, there are values, benefits, improvements that can be made to all of our lives in this regard outside of the confines of Fantasy Football Draft Day. There's no doubt about that. But this thing here, I think fantasy football is vastly and objectively improved by toxic masculinity. (laughs) It's one of those things that if there's not a requisite amount of jocular humor, farting, spit takes, uh, you know, just just insults, mom jokes, like these things are sort of what stirs the drink. And the, the more we get away from that, the more it dilutes the product. And I think that there's sort of a old-school charm to it that, uh, you know, I, I feel a responsibility to
1: protect. So on that front, the thing that I am most happy that you did this year was, granted, we have fallen off heavily. Granted, we half of our review podcast last year fell off, and then we just never picked it back up. I love that you put a content schedule this year, and I know there are a few weeks there that we're looking forward to more than most I think it was it's week 12 where Russ and Eric have to do their podcast. I fucking mm-hmm. cannot wait. But to to the point you're saying, I'm I'm so glad that everyone is at least forced to be involved this year and the shit talk is always it always tends to be tepid, but forcing everyone into a write-up and podcast this year, I think is the right move to share the burden around. And force people to put themselves out there.
0: Yeah, and, and and I, you know, right now. So I, of course, I gave myself week one right up because I knew I was going to do the draft grade, So that's sort of an easy one to get the ball rolling. I knew you and I would do the audio, but we have Dello and Vanish, um sort of scheduled to do one as well. And I mean, I'm serious about this, deadly serious, because I know what's going to happen. It's the busiest time of year for me. I'm already behind on a lot of shit. And there's no universe where I'm going to get content out. And I think that what makes this league fun, what really makes it go, is the idea that there is always something stupid. And I'm not, you know, I, I am arrogant and crazy enough to think that I genuinely put out some of the best content, you know, in the country in certain regards. I, mean, I am that crazy. Pizza Hut
1: gift card recipient. <laughs> But I'm
0: not crazy enough to think that everyone else feels that way. And I know that it's more a function of there just literally being something. So I think it's good for everyone that there's forced contribution, and some weeks people aren't going to do it, and some weeks I'll do it for them. Um, You know, I don't know what you and Dave have prepared or have, uh, you know, as of an idea for the week two write-up. But I think, like, There are certain members of this league who need to come out of their shell, and if I had any advice for any of the people listening who are sweating about it is you just have to put something on the page. Like the creative writing is just go, just start. And everybody gets a little uncomfortable making fun of people they don't know, and it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Just start shooting from the hip, and I will clean it up for you. You know, you're not They're gonna not. say the commission said some things over the years that were flagrant violations of human rights against people in this group and they have all forgiven him because it's understood that this isn't a Netflix special that's gonna get reviewed by Vox and sure. you know every you know the the fucking Huffington Post you know like this is a small confined group it doesn't see each other that often, and if anyone gets that upset about you, chances are they won't see you for nine months. They'll forget, and it'll all be fine.
1: So yeah, I mean, let it you've, rip- you've yeah, you've said something. You've said things in the past that could have been tried under the Geneva Con- Convention, and honestly, you're probably lucky that your uh, your employers, granted some of the players you probably represent, have said things that should have gotten them fired um beforehand i don't know if you follow some or uh, represent some of the indians or i don't know there's an, there's enough baseball players that have white supremacist backgrounds that it gets a little dicey but every single week this is this was the actual penalty for dave and i is that dave and i are available for the podcast at least i mean me and him already have our write up planned we already have the uh the fucking format plan, the content plans, our team names and um, fucking gifts slash Photoshops ready for the year. I know other teams have already hit him up for Photoshops. Everyone should be ready to go. Everyone knows which week they have to write it up. Everyone knows which week they have to fucking do a podcast. I'm very much looking forward. There's at least three or four teams that I – consider must listen once their podcast comes out and I am truly looking forward I think this was a great idea to spread it around and make sure everyone contributes to the uh to the content schedule yeah I think it's going to be fun and I'm
0: going to have to really lean on people and, and certain people are just going to flake and it sucks but you know what hopefully we can get sort of a mob justice going here where everyone will step in and and sort of angrily shame the people who don't contribute. And maybe, you know, I think, you know, Kevin Ary is a great example. You're a great example where you get a little taste of it and you realize how much fun it is, and then it's just sort of what you do. And I think we might find five or six people who feel the same way. Um, You know, I'd love to sort of keep last year... It was more of a podcast year than a write up year with all of the uh um what's it called the fucking Chris Berman style uh fastest two minutes and I'd love to keep that going. We just need more people to get outside their comfort zone.
1: I I, I think this is the transition year where we really figure out who shines in the content department and then we can really put a schedule together going forward to make this actually a uh week-by-week, week, real top-notch operation. And I'm looking forward to what people bring to the table. I think this has a lot of potential, and you, me, Dave, like, will happily add drops, do things in post-production. But I'm just looking for people to put the heart of the content, content together, put the time in, just give an hour to two hours for your week, and really just come correct and I think it's going to finally, throughout the entire year, not have to rely on a couple people. And it, I, I'm i very excited to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, me too. Well, hey, you wanted to get this done before midnight, and we're doing it. I think tomorrow I'll get some editing in. This will drop right before uh, Thursday night opener. The people will have something to begin their Friday, you know, shit on. Um, or either Friday commute most likely because or their Thursday night commute home before the big game, and we're at the cusp of it. We're at the beginning of a season. We got 16 teams. Everybody's a contender. Everybody's as excited. And in roughly 24 hours, there'll be probably 10 very very tight buttholes after their team has shot the bed on a Thursday opener, and they're already panicking.
1: I absolutely cannot wait. Going forward, if anyone wants to get into a weekly DFS league, or I know you were thinking about a uh, weekly pick against the spread league, we can expound on top of the classic SBFFL. And I know not only are there going to be teams with tight buttholes after the Bears' defense shits the bed, but also just hearing our honest and truthful assessments I mean I think we are basically the word of the Lord and the gospel as far as it goes for people's fantasy teams I'm just interested to hear the reaction and I cannot wait for everyone else's podcast granted with Dave and I's punishment if you need to call us for your podcast we're available you can figure it out and uh, that's pretty much all I have for the draft it was a pretty smooth sailing year this year
0: yeah yeah Good draft, good draft review. You know, maybe we need to have it somewhere else that will lead to more mayhem next year, so we have more to talk about. I mean, we really just got after the uh, the results. So
1: yeah, I'll next believe. year we'll do a uh, next year we'll do LSD in the punch bowl, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> All right, Bobby boy. Well, you have a good night. Worst of luck this season, and uh, you know, I'm sure I'll talk to you in a week.
1: Same to you. Bye.
0: See ya. See ya. Get me saying, like, plan apply? Like plan apply? Can you hear me? No, I, I respect Bobby
2: Foster. I'm very much responsible for the success
0: of this year's podcast. I don't know what to say. Um, plan apply? I get, like, 20 to 25 emails a
2: day.
0: <coughs> I think our commission is come back.